Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Day 247 of the quarantine. I left my house today to prove to myself that the sun was still warm. I got to the end of my driveway, saw an old woman hacking across the street, and immediately went back inside. Hacking a dirt? I may never leave my house again. Hmm. Uh, That's the Laced Up Podcast for... uh, was, For the last day of March. The last day of the longest month of the sounded year. sounded more like The Road, starring Viggo Mortensen. I'd be down. <laughs> there, was a, there was a question on Twitter this week. I, I'm pretty sure it was Leith Dunnick of uh, TV Newswatch asked everybody what, like their, what, would the, what book would they recommend reading. And a lot of people took it as an opportunity to talk about their favorite book. At which I, at which point I said, uh, my favorite book is The Road. Now is not the time to read it. <laughs> no. There is a time and a place, and during what feels like a mini-apocalypse is not the time. This is not it. I, w- I would not recommend that book. Um, speaking of Twitter, I am at Brutes Bataglia on Twitter. Uh, I am Brutes Bataglia, and I am from the North Side, which is a website about Toronto stuff. Uh, I am uh, at Coach Rockhouse on Twitter. Uh, I am not at Coach Rockhouse in real life. Are you life. telling me that that's not your legal name? Should I change it? You, I no, I wouldn't. Other okay. other than oh. other than Coach from New Girl, I don't know a person who's regularly referred to as Coach. And so to make that, like, any part of your regular name just seems off. Like, when I coached, I would have kids call me coach, and and that, that, <laughs> no, that's not gonna happen. Uh, please refer to the first name. Yeah, I'll stick with what I've got, I guess. It's, uh, it's, it's working for me. This is, uh, another hockey-free week, um... Mm-hmm. As we not a hockey-free episode, though. Slowly, which is kind of nice. Oh, true. We actually uh, we're actually going to talk some hockey this week, which is kind of nice. I don't really know because um, I kind of thought I would brush on top of this uh, quickly here. I don't really know that there's much current event hockey-wise to discuss. Um, a lot of networks have been re-airing old games, which uh, like we talked about last week, and it's still been going on. I, I think it's pretty cool. I've I've been. I've watched a few of those in their entirety, and I've enjoyed that. But aside from that, uh, a few more players have attested positive for COVID-19. Um, no real word on who any of them are other than Nikita Zaitsev from the Ottawa Senators, but another member of the Senators, uh, two players from the Avalanche, as well as other um, off-ice members of their organization. Um, yeah, uh, but aside from that, it's just been more... 
sort of what organizations are going to pay their pay their employees uh to which the answer is most teams other than the Bruins and that's pretty much been it nothing else everyone talking about what we're going to do when hockey comes back and i find those conversations interesting but only to a point because i am um in the pessimistic part of the population on that matter that kind of doesn't think we're going to have a a playoff this year but um yeah that's that's pretty much it that's your that's your hockey wrap up i think did i miss anything i think some guy got signed in anaheim <laughs> oh they signed trevor zegras right that's good stuff couple of college free agents <sighs> yeah. i think those always Probably. those always turn out time. good <laughs> is like I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. Is Tyler Bozak the best college free agent ever? Like, is he it? I think so. Like, I'm. We, there's got to be someone else, though, right? Is there a goalie? No. Um, like a lot of guys. College. Free it, it's agent? worth noting, like college free agent, right? Because like there are tons of good fucking players who went to college and had like an incredible NHL career. You know, Marty St. Louis comes to mind. Like, there's tons of guys, but. I I just I I don't know, like I I he might actually technically be a college free agent, I guess. So he might be the best. Um, Ed Belfour was undrafted, but he didn't play college. No, I I don't. There's not really much else in terms of hockey news, and um, it's it's gonna stay that way probably. I don't really see anything much coming up in the next few weeks. Um. Because we're nowhere close to fucking resuming play. Like, that's obviously very apparent at this point. So, um, short of that, there's not really much reason for organizations to do anything. And we're just sort of at a standstill. So, we thought, um, since last week didn't really dive into hockey, this week we're probably going to do two episodes. Both are going to be somewhat hockey-centric. This one more so than the other one. Um, but we're going to do some non-hockey stuff in this one as well as the next one, I suppose. And then um, we'll see what we do the week after. we got tons of ideas. It's just a matter of, you know, doing them, I guess. So, um, But this week we thought we would revisit the 2009 NHL entry draft, which is um, we were going to do 08. We left it up to the people on Twitter, and then you you changed it. So that's that's where we're at is 2009. And, uh, yeah. Are you, are you excited, James? Have you ever done a redraft? Probably. I, <laughs> it doesn't resonate with me sticking out in my mind that I've done one, but mm-hmm. I would imagine at some point I have. Okay. Curtis Joseph played one year of, uh, university oh, hockey before, right. that's, uh, that's going undrafted. That. Yep, so. That's enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So... You know we're uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna dive into this, but what I thought we would do is because you know we're talking about two thousand and nine, um, and of course the way we're gonna do it is w- basically we're just gonna alternate back and forth. This isn't really a competition; it's more or less just us like going up and and you know picking a team and talking about what might have happened if these teams had the benefit of a crystal ball. Is basically what we're looking at here. So. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to go in and, and say, uh, or maybe we will, but like, for example, 2008, you see Nikita Filatov went like sixth overall. 
And if you wanted to pick Nikita Filatov, you could and say that, well, maybe, you know, he would have been developed properly or whatever the fuck. But, like, you know, more than likely with this crystal ball, you're going to take a guy who clearly had a good career and say, hey, we could have used that over the last 10 years. And um, that's what the organization's going to do. So we're going to alternate back and forth. We're going to do it that way. But I figured to decide who goes first is I have submitted... Or, sorry, I have put together a quiz. And it's for James. If James gets five out of the nine correct, or more, then James gets first pick. So, James, um, the first question of the quiz is, do you know what the quiz is going to be about? This is actually an unofficial draft. Is it about the draft? Okay. Well, that would... would... About the U.S. drafting soldiers into the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's actually another pandemic quiz. Um, we had one of those. We figured, why not do it again? <laughs> it went over so well the first time. This is the official podcast of the World Health Organization. Uh, joining us is Dr. Elliot Friedman. Doctor, now... What doesn't he do? Uh, yeah, no, we're going to quiz you on the year 2009. I figured I would get some of your some of your recollections of what was a fun year. Now I don't know about you, uh, but in two thousand and nine, I was uh, uh, in grade eleven the first half and went into grade twelve because you know schooling. And uh, during the summer, I didn't do much. I drank. Um, I, I washed dishes at Noxos, and that's fucking gotta be just about it like you know like I I I, I think that's it <laughs> I didn't really have a super eventful year I played hockey I guess yeah what about you where were you in 2009 I already know the answer but um that was my last year of organized hockey so not unlike this quarantine it left me uh without hockey um, so you're a little bit used to the themes of, of, uh, of this, sometimes. this year and the, the year we're actually in. I, uh, I graduated high school. Mm. I, uh, began what would become nine years of hell at, uh, the Real Canadian Superstore. Mm. Uh, Naming names. I like it. Yeah. I'm not holding back. Okay. Well, um, that's about it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to see where you, were you, were you having a, was it a good year? Did you enjoy 2009? You don't really remember? Um, I'll, I'll say I enjoyed the first six months. Oh, boy. Okay. And then the last six months were eh, fine. Sure. Well, hopefully this uh, this quiz will drum up some positive memories from you. Um, and this is just a broad quiz. It's just things that happened in 2009, and I'm just going to see how, how good your memory is. Okay? Sure. Okay. Um... What won the best rock album at the 2010 Grammys? So that would have been for an album released in 09. So basically I'm asking you, what did the Grammys decide was the best 2009 rock album? Was it A, Big Whiskey and the Grugux King? Grugux King um, by Dave Matthews Band. Is it B, 21st Century Breakdown by Green Day? Is it C, ACDC's Black Ice? Or is it D, No Line on the Horizon 
by U2. I should note a fifth album was nominated, which was Live from Madison Square Garden by Eric Clapton and Steve Winwood, which there there's no point for me even just floating that out there as a potential option. You tell me the Live Clapton album didn't win? I mean, you can guess it, but it seems counterproductive at this point. <laughs> Alright, now I, I own two of these albums. Okay. okay. Which two? I've... I've uh, 21st Century Breakdown and Black Ice. Mm. Black Ice, good fucking album. I, I have this sneaking suspicion that Black Ice won it, but I say that not realizing it was the same year as 21st Century Breakdown, which I also thought won Grammy Rock Album of the Year. So Now I will note, the, the reason I put the Grammys in here is this is roughly around the time where I figure the Grammys went to shit and fucking became a popularity contest but around 09 it was still they were still listening to the albums that it was fucking nominating for sure hmm. you know this is still credibility I um uh, I'm gonna go 21st century okay you're going 21st century breakdown by Green Day so that is option B just so you know yeah. okay uh, you are correct the answer is B 21st century breakdown by Green Day I honestly would have thought it was no line on the horizon and that's why I put the question in is because that kind of surprised me I, I thought you 2 had a run of two consecutive albums there in the 2010s winning, um, but they did not, so that's a shame. Um, hmm. Question number two, you're one for one. Who won the Super Bowl in 2009? Who, who were the Super Bowl champions we're looking for? Is it A, the Pittsburgh Steelers? Is it B, the New Orleans Saints? Is it C, the Arizona Cardinals? Or is it D, the New York Giants? New York football giants. I believe the Cardinals and the Steelers played. It's pretty good considering you didn't watch football. Came very close or very quickly to that potential realization. I remember I was cheering against the Steelers. Sure. But I can't remember if I was happy or sad at the outcome. Um, I'm going to go Arizona Cardinals. Okay. You're confident you're looking at the right year, right? I I think so. Okay. Uh, well, James, you are correct on the teams playing in that Super Bowl, but it was Ben Ruthlessberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers with the victory. I don't remember the score because I don't like either team at a fucking all. So, you're one for one. Or one for two, sorry. Hmm. One for two. One and one. Okay. Uh, number three... Like I said, we're kind of shooting all over the place with these questions. Uh, which of these products was declared to have an international shortage in 2009? Um, <laughs> was it A, coconuts? Is it B, Eggo frozen waffles? Is it C, fancy feast cat food? Or is it D, uh, bagel bites? If this was the year that the Leafs fans were throwing waffles on the ice, I would I would definitely lean waffles. Who who declared it uh, a shortage? Uh, uh, then fucking, I don't know, the FDA, I think, maybe. I'll go coconuts, then. It, it seems like something that I think we can make the others and fool people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, um... That, that would be one where I fooled you there, James. We were looking for B, Eggo Frozen Waffles were uh, declared an international food shortage item. Um, 
I put coconuts in because I've just come to the general realization, how do we have enough coconuts, you know? Like, that just seems like something we should be plumb out of by now, you know? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. I, I don't really know how many coconuts one tree produces in a calendar year. Well, and I feel but... like we just, I feel like we use a fuck ton of them, you know? Mm. And I feel like that, okay. yeah, I don't know. Uh, what the hell do I know? I don't like coconuts. Uh, you're one for three, so that's that's fine. You've got plenty of time left here. Uh, number four, who won Best Actor at the 81st Academy Awards in February 2009? Uh, was it A, Jeff Bridges? Is it B, Mickey Rourke? Is it C, Sean Penn? Or is it D, Josh Brolin, son of James Brolin? Well, I believe it was Jeff Bridges. Hmm. Is that your final answer? Yeah, he did that country song when he sings some country songs as a singer. Yeah, and it's about a singing country song guy. Uh, We were looking for C. Sean Penn for Milk. Um, Jeff Bridges won in 2009 for the film, or sorry, well, 2010 for a movie produced in 2009 uh, for Crazy Heart. Crazy Heart. That's the one. Yeah, so. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Rourke was also nominated for Best Lead Actor for his role in The Wrestler, and Josh Brolin was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Milk, uh, for which Sean Penn won Best Lead Actor. Uh, we are one for four still. Again, lots of time, I think. Uh, yeah, you still got time to get one wrong, so you're you're fine. Um, number five, James McDonald's. Have you heard of this? Uh, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this restaurant? The food? Yeah. 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 Well, that's debatable. Uh, McDonald's, the quote-unquote restaurant chain uh, closed all of its locations in which country? They just decided we're fucking closing up shop, we're closing all of them in this country. Was it A, Luxembourg? Is it B, Turkmenistan? Is it C, Iceland? Or is it D, Serbia and Montenegro? I'm gonna go with uh, Turkmenistan. Mm. Mm. Uh, We were looking for C, Iceland... Uh, they thought that it was not a practical country to operate in, as many people support local there, being that it's so small. They closed up, hmm. and as far as I know, have never went back. But, yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, you're you're one for five. Uh, you got to run the table here, but I, I'm still feeling good about you here, buddy, all right? Oh, wow. Uh, you and you alone. Okay, well... Yeah, I'm not. I'm, they don't necessarily get any easier here. So, um, number six. Uh, which song was the number one on Billboard's Top 100 for 2009? So, what was their top charted song of any genre for 2009? Is it A. The Black Eyed Peas' "Boom Boom Pow"? Is it B. Lady Gaga's "Just Dance"? Is it C. The Black Eyed Peas' "I Got a Feeling"? Or is it D, Lady Gaga's Poker Face? There was only two artists in uh, in two thousand nine. You either liked oh, you yeah. either liked Black Eyed Peas or Lady Gaga, or you didn't listen to music. Uh, I think it was uh, I got a feeling. Is that your final answer? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, James, I would have honestly guessed the same thing because that song is fucking everywhere. Um, but you are incorrect. We were looking for Boom Boom Pow. Um, followed by Poker Face, then Just Dance, and then I Got a Feeling. Those were the top four uh, songs from the year. So, 
Um, hmm. you, you will not be going first. And I actually had planned to go second, so... Uh, <laughs> kind of have to adjust some strategy here. Would you like the rest of your questions, or no? I mean, you put so much work into them. Sure. We may as well see yeah. this through. For garbage time, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto launched what eventual technological success in 2009? Is it a Bitcoin... Is it B, Grinder? Is it C, Venmo? Or is it D, Mozilla? Uh, which is the company that created the browsing system Mozilla Firefox. Give me the guy's name again. Satoshi Nakamoto. It's my guy. Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, You are, we are looking for Bitcoin. Um, fun fact, Satoshi Nakamoto, not a real person. Uh, pseudonym, no one knows who actually created it. So, that's kind of neat. I'm glad I asked for the name. Yeah. Again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you would have been two for seven. Uh, number eight. What was the number one TV show in two thousand eight, two thousand nine season? So the season that would have started fall two thousand eight ended in in spring two thousand nine. Uh, was it a Grey's Anatomy? Is it B Dancing with the Stars? Is it C Sunday Night Football? Uh, or was it D American Idol? Ah, uh, yeah. I'll go Dancing with the Stars. Mm. Uh, we were looking... Uh, su- su- fucking surprisingly, American Idol was still number one. Um, I will give you this one correct if you can tell me who won in, in 2009. Was it A, Adam Lambert? Was it B, Phil Phillips? C, Pia Toscano, who now uh, is the national anthem singer for the Los Angeles Kings? Or was it D, Chris Allen? What was the second name? Philip Phillips. I didn't stutter. I go Chris Allen. It was Chris Allen. For sure the worst singer of the four names mentioned there. Uh, he he beat Adam Lambert by what uh, the people at American Idol say is less than 100,000 votes, which I just... I How how did Chris Allen get any votes? I'm madder about that Might be something than do. I am about any sporting event ever. Wow. Yeah, he's... Terrible. Okay. Terrible. Uh, James, number nine, who won the Masters in 2009? Uh, was it Bubba Watson? Was it Angel Cabrera? Was it Phil Mickelson? Or was it Adam Scott? I believe it was Bubba. It was Angel Cabrera. Uh, it was in a playoff round against, I don't remember the other two. They also weren't that notable. He's the most notable of the three. So, there you go. Three, three for nine. You don't remember 2009 that well. That's fine. Um... Wasn't really paying attention. The, the good news is 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 redrafting this draft. We don't really need you to remember 2009. We need you to have a good hockey knowledge now. Uh, we we need you to to tell me what you know. What does this team need now? I guess. Um, so I I have the honors, and I will go first. Um, and so the the first selection from 2009 was the New York Islanders. They used the pick to select John Tavares, who um, you may note now no longer plays for the franchise. Um, he doesn't? No. Something happened there. Uh, I'm I'm going to go John Tavares, and here's why. Is, listen, they, they tried. Th- the problem for me is that, assuming that they should have taken someone other than John Tavares is assuming that they would have come fucking close to keeping whoever it would have been anyway. And maybe they would have been able to keep Victor Hedman. 
I would argue that pretty much anyone they would have fucking selected with that pick would have left by now anyway. It's it's amazing John Tavares stayed as long as he did. And it kind of speaks to the fact that I think he would have stayed had he not been afforded the opportunity to go to Toronto. If Toronto wasn't in on him, then he's probably... There's a good chance he's still fucking there. So, uh, I still think they, they take him. And um, I think that, you know, they they tried their best. But, like, I, 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 it's... It all the only point would be is is for them to say or for us to say that they should take Hedman because maybe they would have kept him. Like, yeah, maybe. I I don't know. Maybe not though. Like I I, I just I, I I think they took the best player in the draft and I think they should still have done that. Yeah, no, that's the right answer for sure. Yeah, it's just you know, like it, it, it's 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 your crystal ball of what these players would have become. And this is still the best player out of all of them, you know? Mm. So, I mean, all due respect, because it is a pretty good draft, but he's still the best player from this draft. So, I'm going John Tavares still to the New York Islanders, number one. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, With my uh, first selection at the uh, 2009 Laced Up Redraft, I would uh, first like to uh, thank our fans listening at our watch party back in uh, Santa Barbara, California. Um, a big congratulations to the Stanley Cup champion this year. Who? Um, uh, and with that being said, uh, we're going to go ahead and stick with uh, the status quo. And uh, I'm, I'm taking Victor Hedman. Okay. Um, he went second to Tampa in, in 09, and he's going second to Tampa now. Um, he's the best defenseman in in this class. Um, there was an argument in '09 that he, you know, maybe could have went first. I don't think that it's uh, realistic anymore, but I I think he's still head and shoulders better than anybody else available. Um, uh, at the moment, so that's that's my guy. Yeah, well, and I mean, the, the argument would be. Like where where the fuck would Tampa be now without Victor Hedman? Which like I understand they have a very good team, but but it's a team that does rely heavily on Hedman. Like that 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 decor without him, um, I don't know if many people realize this. Not great. Like really not great. Like really really reliant on Ryan McDonough, and he's good. But without Hedman, I don't know that this team is a nearly as fucking good as as they actually are, you know? Because, yeah. I mean, you look at the yeah, other teams sure. in the division, and, and like, Boston probably has a comparable or better forward group than Tampa, and Boston has a comparable, probably better blue line, and they fucking certainly have a better goalie as far as I'm concerned. You compare them to the Leafs, and it's like, eh, the Leafs probably have a better forward group. Like, the Leafs are, are Tampa without Hedman, more or less. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they just don't have that fucking guy. Like, they are they have a good goaltender, they have a really good forward group, but they don't have that number one anchor defenseman, um, aside from Riley when he's healthy, we think. So. Yeah. No, it's exactly it right like tampa bay is is nowhere near the 
level of team they are without him. And uh, based on the guy that they picked the year before, uh, it makes sense to kind of go uh, with a defenseman. So that's that's true. Would you have gone Stamkos in year one? You know, in 08, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Um. <clears throat> okay. Well, I have the uh, the pleasure. Oh God, I have the pleasure of doing the Colorado Avalanche uh, third. Whew. Oh boy. Um. Uh, I have an interesting pick. Yeah. Like I had this whole like, thing like laid out. If if you were Colorado, who you would have picked? Yeah. Okay. Who would your thought be? Uh, I would have picked the guy that Colorado picked um, a round later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I'm thinking that as well, but like, part of me thinks, okay, there, so th- there's a case to be made, and hear me out, for still taking Matt Duchesne, okay, because, because of the haul that they eventually get for him is far higher than, than what he's worth, Okay. The problem is that is Matt Duchesne the third best player in this draft? Fucking not even close. He's not even fucking close. But you know, would you rather have the haul that they got now for a player and and endured the pain that they've endured to get where they are now? Which is a case to be made. I think there's another case to be made for the fact that you know the one of the things that sketches me out a little bit about the Avalanche is the certainty of their goaltending. Which I think, you know, Grubauer, fine. Pavel Frank, who's been good. But, like, do I feel confident about either of them? No. So, would Robin Leonard or Darcy Kemper look better in an Avalanche jersey? Fucking right they would. So, I I think there's a lot to be said there. Um, I'm probably going to say that, based on how their team looks right now, uh, that I still would select Matt Duchesne and take the Sam Gerrard that comes with it um but it's 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 hard like it's it's kind of hard to 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 weigh that one um you know I guess ultimately they'd be happier with a player now so I'm actually changing my thought let's let's go Robin Leonard wow that's a that's a big jump 43 spots up for Leonard Mm -hmm. yeah well I mean like the the funny thing is is Leonard was you know like, a lot of people act like Robin Leonard came out of nowhere, and he's like, no, he was a fucking really good prospect that got buried in Buffalo for a few years. Like, that's all that really happened. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm going Leonard. Okay. This is a fun one. Um, yeah. You've got a couple the, teams uh... that kind of don't exist anymore, because your selection after this, they're, they're not the Phoenix Coyotes anymore. True. <laughs> um... The now defunct Atlanta Thrashers, knowing what we know now, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Which like, um, it's kind of fast. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating because like when that trade happened, okay, the there is no question that the Jets won that trade eventually, right? Like, like eventually they win the Evander Kane trade by bringing in uh, Myers and, and Stafford and Armia Lemieux in a first-round pick that they turned into Jack Roslovic, right? But, you know, 
when you look at that, all that they really got out of that was Myers left in free agency. Stafford became nothing. Joel Armia, they, they threw in the package to get rid of the contract of Steve Mason that they didn't need to sign to in the first place. Brendan Lemieux, who was part of the package to get Kevin Hayes, who no longer plays there. And Jack Roslovic. So, the trade was essentially Evander Kane, <laughs> Zach Bogosian for Jack Roslovic and a couple playoff runs. So they still win the trade, but it's like, you know... Do, do you need to take Kane to get those assets? No. <laughs> they, they could have taken any fucking guy in this draft and traded him for Jack Roslovic eventually, you know? No, I, I think the bigger picture here, too, is they they, tr- they trade away a guy that they draft high the year before in Bogosian. That they arguably they shouldn't lose. have selected anyway. Possibly. Definitely. They lose Myers. They lose Truba. They lose... Bufflin. So what I'm saying here is that I'm taking Oliver Ekman Larson mm, fourth overall damn. to the Atlanta Thrashers. Damn. Yeah, he'd look real good in that fucking in that blue. Oh baby. Yeah. I I th- I think that's the right selection. And just think about that that core like, you know, during those runs. Like you've you've got Bufflin, you've got Myers, you've got well, maybe you don't have Myers if you don't have uh, Kane to trade, but you, you've at least got, you know, Truba, Bufflin, Morrissey, uh, Larson, and either Bogosian or Myers, depending on how you want to flip the coin. Mm-hmm. That That's that's a core. Like that, yeah. Maybe they get bast Vegas a couple years ago, yeah. right? Maybe, you know, who knows? Kane, Kane really didn't provide much for them when you, you know, when you break it down over the course of history, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think you make the, the right call there, and that's probably who they would have selected now, knowing how things turn out. Okay. Um, I uh, I get the Los Angeles Kings. Now, um, what's, it, what's fucking real interesting about the LA Kings here, and my, my, my guy Braden Shen, is, uh, so they take Braden Shen, and, you know, he is essentially immediately traded. The difference is that within the trade, it is a it is a trade that, like in hindsight, helped build the version of the Kings that we now come to know. The, the trade at the time, um, in the summer of I believe 2011, was Wayne Simmons, Braden Shen, and a second round pick for Mike Richards and Rob Bordson. Th- the problem is that. <laughs> Although the Kings win two Stanley Cups with Mike Richards, Mike Richards is not really a factor on this cup-winning team. Like, aside from in the room, on the ice, he's, like, the third-line center, especially by the time they win the second Stanley Cup. And what they could have used was a more productive version of Mike Richards. So, his name is also known as... Ryan fucking O'Reilly. Because uh, Ryan O'Reilly is basically Mike Richards with less hitting, more production, and consistency. He, he's staying healthy, he's staying at the height of his game, and um, I think even Ryan O'Reilly back then is arguably a bit of an improvement over Mike Richards. It's not like 
like when we look back at what Richards can contributed as a as an LA King um it's not like he scored a ton of clutch goals or anything like that like he 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 was fine but I don't consider him to be an integral part really of that team um you know the biggest argument you can make for him in his years with the Kings was the year they won the Stanley Cup he had 15 points in 20 playoff games which I feel confident Ryan O'Reilly would have gotten anyway so what the fuck are we talking about here there's a good chance that O'Reilly's still there and this team maybe would not have had to mortgage its future so aggressively knowing that they have Kopitar and O'Reilly down the middle for years to come I I think there's a chance that they're still a semi-competitive team and that they didn't have to, you know, go as aggressively all in as they did. So basically, what I'm saying is, although that trade contributed to the Kings, we know them as um, they didn't need to make the trade to win the Stanley Cups. I don't think so. Uh, I'm going O'Reilly to the now, LA Kings fifth overall. Now, do you th- do you think they get Jeff Carter if they don't have Mike Richards? Um, it might not be Carter, but they, they clearly would have gone out and got someone Carter-esque. The, the brilliant thing about the Kings at the time was that they capitalized on the fact that Jeff Carter wanted fucking nothing to do with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He fucking hated it from the moment he got there to the moment he fucking got traded. All he did was bitch, moan, and complain, apparently, that he didn't want to be there. And so the Kings went, you know, Dean Lombardi looked at the fucking Blue Jackets and was like, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll capitalize on that. They went in and got him. So, um, I, I, I look at it more as a buy-low situation and a smart move there, but certainly the fact that they, you know, um, got Carter and got Richards kind of combined as this whole, you know, reunion narrative, this revenge narrative, um, at least for those two guys. So, do they get Carter? Yeah, I think they still do. Um... I, I, I'm not really sh- so sure that Richards was that big of a contributor, but I, I know it was a big contributor still. Okay. Well, that uh, brings me to the Arizona Coyotes, formerly the Phoenix Coyotes. I had planned on taking Robin Lehner with this pick, but uh, seeing as how he is off the board, coupled with the fact uh, that the Coyotes have now lost... Uh, their, what would be captain uh, in Oliver Eggman Larson. Uh-huh. Um, I am going to take Matthias Eckholm. Mm. Uh, originally drafted 102nd overall wow. by the Nashville Predators. Uh, I'm going to make him the uh, 6th overall pick to the Arizona Coyotes uh, simply to try to balance out the loss of, of Larson. You know, the first two defensemen that go are Swedish. Why not make it a, a three for three? So, okay, there it is. Is there a particular reason why you would go Ekholm over other defensemen that are available? You just think Ekholm's like the third best guy? Uh, that well, maybe not the third best guy, but I'm giving him a, a. There's a there's a group of five guys that I have that are really close, mm-hmm. and. I'm just giving Ekholm the the edge strictly because he's Swedish and the Coyotes seem to like that. So, okay, um, fair fair enough. Uh, now I know that this competition for us to decide who was going to get first overall was not so much a who wanted first overall, more so a um, who wanted to make the Leafs pick 
And so I, mm. I gotta be honest with you. Um, initially, I looked at this and I'm like, "Hot damn!" If Ryan O'Reilly slides to number seven, but <laughs> but I, uh, I I fucked myself out of that one real good. So um, yeah, I don't I don't know. This is kind of a challenging one because um, listen, as a Leaf fan, I wouldn't fucking trade Nazem Kadri's time in Toronto for just about anything. The key phrase being just about anything but holy fuck would I ever trade Nazem Kadri for you thought it was going to say Tyson Berry but um for Ryan Ellis for sure uh I I am a very big fan of what Ryan Ellis does um the Leafs have long searched for a good two-way right-handed shot defenseman um one of which I would say they have not had since Dmitry Yuskevich, which is uh, well before I'm sure some of our listeners were even watching hockey. So it's been a long time. Ryan Ellis can play at both ends of the rink. He can move the puck. He could easily play in the Leaf system. Um, he could probably play with just about any left-handed defenseman on the Leafs. Uh, and if they had another right-handed shot defenseman, it might push Cody Ceci out of the lineup a little bit more often. So, uh, yeah, Ryan Ellis, fucking no-brainer for me on that one for, for number seven for Toronto. Him and uh, Tavares' boys at the juniors Ooh, as well. Ooh, so. nice! Nice! Yeah, yeah. The Leafs are it is. somehow leave it leave it to me and James, well, and mostly me, I guess, to make sure that um, somehow seven picks into this draft that the Leafs have already won the draft. So <laughs> somehow that was always going to happen. Okay, uh, so I've got the big bad Dallas Stars. At now eight. it should be noted um, um, that this is the first for sure bust. Uh, that we've come up to yeah. on the list is this is basically a pick that was a useless pick for the stars. Yeah, got Scott Glennie going eighth overall to the Dallas Stars. I'm going to give everyone a f- courtesy thirty seconds to go Google Scott Glennie. This is tough. There's a lot of names left on the board that I I was I was really not expecting. It's um, a good draft. Yeah, it is. See, part of me wants to just get it over with and and take Matt Duchesne to the Dallas Stars. But my fear there is that if the Stars have Duchesne, they probably don't go out and get Sagan. And I'd rather have Sagan on if I'm the Dallas Stars. Do you do you Duchesne. think so though? Because when they traded for for Sagan, they didn't have a number 1 center at the time, did they? I guess they didn't, but I'm I guess the point I'm making is that if you have Duchesne, maybe you feel like you don't have to go make that trade. Well, it's it's hard to make that argument though because when you when you think about how the stars were built back then, you know, they were built solely around offense. Like that was actually the whole goal with getting Sagan was, you know, we're a team that kind of wants to score more goals and and this is the way to go out and get them. Like I'm looking right now at their stat sheet and the number 2 highest scoring center that year was Cody Eakin, followed by Rich Peverly, Vern Fiddler. Like they certainly could have used another um, dynamic centerman, and I don't need to tell you that they certainly could use one now. So if you're talking yourself out of taking a dynamic center for the stars, I don't, I don't know that you really need to. I think they could use another one, both then and now. All right, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking Matt Duchene then, uh, eighth overall to the Dallas Stars. Suck it, Scott Glennie. Damn, I was hoping to take Duchene with the Senators pick. <laughs> 
too bad. Missed it by what, what could have been. Yeah, I mean, this is a really impossible pick because the Senators um, are are not good now, and were good then, kind of like still. You know what I mean? Like still, kind of brushing the the decent team um, area. They picked Jared Cowan who we now know his claim to fame as a senator is probably, you know, being involved in the fucking Dion Phaneuf trade. Like, he he, um, he struggled there towards the end. He looked like he was going to be a, just an absolute monster, and, and he was. The problem is that the game just got so fucking fast, and Jared Cowan just couldn't keep up anymore. He didn't contribute offensively. He was strictly a stay-at-home you know, Zidane Chara of the early 2000s type. Like, he, he wasn't contributing at the other end of the ice. And once the game became more of a of a back and forth, there really was no need for him. So, I, I will defend the Jared Cowan pick as a pick that probably wasn't a bust in terms of ad- identifying talent, but it was a bust in terms of how it turned out for their franchise because they... They really didn't need Jared Cowan. Um, I I would I would. That's yeah, it is a tough one. I, I'm probably gonna go Nick Letty here, uh, just because I think Nick Letty is um, a very capable defenseman in today's era. I don't see him as someone who's going to fade out that quick. I mean, you know. Whether he's going to be a first or a third pairing defenseman a couple years from now, that that remains to be seen. But I do look at Nick Letty as a guy who, um, at the very least, is mobile and can play. And I'm not so sure that I feel quite as confident with a lot of other guys in this draft class. Just because, you know, most of these guys are getting, um, you know, 30-ish, right? So, um, yeah, you're you're... You're, you're talking about who could they use in a few years, almost, for the Senators. And um, at the very least, if they drafted Letty, I'm sure they could have traded him for something nice by now. So. <laughs> it's it's worth me pointing out to you that uh, that is not the pick Brian Murray would have made, mm. uh, given uh, the people that have gone to this point. Uh, much has been documented about his desire to draft Nazem Kadri mm, uh, only for Brian true. Burke to tell him to go fly a kite. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I like the Nick Liddy pick. That that's interesting. I, I I had Liddy on my my top thirty board, um, much lower than that. But it's for I never thought about it in an Ottawa Senators perspective. That's that is interesting. Yeah, he's just he's he's a guy. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to repeat what I just fucking said, but, I mean, he's a guy who I genuinely see is still going to be around in a few years, and although his offensive production has slowed down, uh, as long as he's willing to learn to play a different style, he could play for another 10 years, as far as I'm concerned. So, um, But it's a matter of if he wants to develop his game, if he's got the, the smarts to do so, which I assume he would because he's in the NHL. So, uh, yeah, Letty. I have the Edmonton Oilers at 10. Mm. Little did we know what was to come the next three drafts. <sighs> but uh, needless to say, I will not be taking uh, Magnus Pajari Svensson no? uh, with the 10th overall pick. Uh, I'm instead going to go with Tyson Berry at uh, 10. I think that 
a lot has been said about the Edmonton Oilers' inability to, uh, you know, put put together a, a solid decor. I think they've got some pieces, not none of them great. Uh, I like Barry as a right shot on that uh, on that back end, and he's a quick guy. He's an offense first guy, and I think if you slot a guy like that into the uh, the Oilers lineup now with McDavid and Drysaddle, it's only going to help drive the play and. I know the argument, the the simple answer should be go out and get the forward and, you know, give them the winger that they don't have. I, I don't see really a, a dynamic winger, uh, at you know, out of this draft. A guy that's really going to push the needle uh, too much. So if uh, if I can't improve their their, their depth at wing, I'm, I'm going to help the back end and Tyson Berry is my guy. Yeah. Well, and, and just to your point, like when you talk about dynamic wingers, like I'm not sure I I agree. I do think there are good wingers in the draft for sure, but the difference is that you know I I think that if the Oilers had different people running the organization, that they would be able to find wingers a little easier because I um I I'm this is one of the few things I'm gonna say like. You know, I, I know when I say players suck, they're obviously better at hockey than me. I know when I say executives are stupid, that they're obviously got to a, a better, like, a place quicker than I did. I fucking guarantee you that if I was a scout, I could find better fucking wingers growing on trees in Europe than what the fucking Oilers have found over the last few years. I have no idea where they're fucking looking, but there are plenty of wingers out there that they do not give opportunities to, um... They tried the Ty Ratty experiment, and they just figured it, well, that didn't work sometimes, so I guess nothing will from the American Hockey League. Like, fucking figure it out. Um, so, I, I, but I, I do like your, I do like your Barry pick, I, I will say that. I just, I, I think that, um... Fun fact, Tyson Barry, uh, moving up his square root, uh, of his draft position. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I get it. I didn't realize where he was drafted. Um, yeah, you know, and I'll def- I'll very quickly defend the Pi RV Svensson pick. I think uh, one of the few top ten picks I've seen in my lifetime that I genuinely think the organization ruined him and um, that he was a talented player. Uh, I watched him up and close at the World Juniors, and he was a top five forward in that tournament for sure. Uh, a tournament that consisted of fucking John Tavares, and um, he was a really good, oh, he, really good player. He had a great rookie year with Edmonton. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, but I like, think they ruined his development. After that, yeah, yeah, I thought I thought he was sick. Um, you know, he he's an underager at the World Juniors. He, um, I believe, at one point, a, was rumored to be applying for exceptional player status too. I don't think he ever did. But he was thinking about coming over to North America that year early, and fucking probably a good thing he didn't, but, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Nashville Predators, number 11, uh, they are a very bizarre team in the way that they're constructed nowadays, and I just think that many of the moves that they've made to supposedly try to make the team better really would not have needed to be made if they would have just picked Nazem Kadri 10 years ago. Um, I think he perfectly fits the way they play now. He fits the way they played then. He wasn't necessarily that type of player, but with Barry fucking Trotz coaching the team back in the early 2010s, followed by Peter Laviolette, 
Like, they, they could have turned him into what Mike Babcock turned him into. I'm not trying to, you know, belittle the work that Mike Babcock and the Leafs did to turn Nazem Kadri into a great defensive center. Um, but I think that also two other really good coaches could have done the same thing too. So, uh, yeah, I think Nazem Kadri, hands down, would make the Predators a fucking way better team right now. This is a team that every time I watch them, they seem to lack uh, that extra gear. And if there's any player that comes to mind for me in terms of an extra gear, Nazem Kadri's pretty high on the list. So, um, yeah, big fan. I think that's a, you know, a great move for them. They're stocked at D. They lose Ellis, but they get Kadri. I think it's a natural move for them. Right on. Um, the New York Islanders. The New York Hockey Islanders, now, their second pick of the draft. It, it should be noted that this is the first traded pick uh, of anything that we've talked about. Um, I don't know if you want to sum it up, but I do have it right here in front of me if you want. Sure, as I do not. The, the move was made at the draft, so this becomes a bit of a difficult one to, to kind of weigh would the would the Islanders still have this pick or not? Would, you know what I mean? Would they have made this trade? Um, you know, but uh, we're not going to really go with all that bullshit. We're just going to assume these teams traded these picks because they liked a player. Um, because in reality, that's what they did. So how would it be any different now? Positional needs and all that? Fuck it. You know what I mean? They didn't have a crystal ball then. They have one now. You know? If they had one, then this is what they would have done, is what we're going to say. So, uh, But on that day, the Islanders traded with the Wild. Uh, 2009 uh, first-round pick, 16th overall, which the Wild used to select Nick Letty. Uh, a 2009 third-round pick, which the Wild used to select Matt Hackett. And a seventh-round pick, which the Wild used to used to select fucking Eric Howla. Not bad. Um, for this uh, 2009 first-round pick for 12th overall. So it was 16th. 77th and 181st overall for 12th overall, uh, which the um, which the Islanders used to select Calvin DeHaan. Okay, well, after all that wheeling and dealing, I I, th- I think that the New York Islanders traded up to acquire Chris Kreider. In my heart, I do. He goes 19th to the to the Rangers in, in 09. Uh, we're we're trading up. To get a guy that that we like, so we're grabbing him at twelve. I think with Tavares leaving, uh, you know, to the Leafs in free agency, you still have Chris Kreider at this point. Um, maybe the two of them together in their prime is, you know, you know what I mean. Like like John Tavares, famous in in Long Island for having nothing on the wing and and making you know mountains out of mohills. At, at least Chris Kreider can stand on his own. You know, two feet and, and drive his own line to a degree. And how how, put the how dare together. you suggest that Matt Molson can't stand on his own two feet? How dare you? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, <laughs> so yeah, maybe, maybe they get over the hump in 2014 together. Who who, who knows? But that, that's my guy. I like Chris Kreider. I'm a little biased. Sue me. I it's my podcast. Genuine. No, I like Chris Kreider too. Um, I genuinely think that he is a guy who. Um, they might have had more success keeping, too, because Chris Kreider has shown, time and time again, he's quite loyal. Uh, he had every opportunity 
to go to a cup contender this year. And I mean, unless he unless he had a crystal ball and knew that the season wasn't going to get played out, um, he he could have easily gone and probably gotten very similar money to what he got. Um, he did not. He elected to stay. So, um, yeah, loyal guy. I I don't mind the pick at all. Okay, um, the Buffalo. Ugh, uh, uh, fuck. I don't want to do this pick. <laughs> can can Buffalo trade with the Panthers? Because I I have a much easier answer for the Panthers. No, I'll uh, I don't know. I mean, like you look at best players available, and there is a name, but there's no fucking way the Buffalo Sabers are taking Evander Kane with this pick. So I I I, I disagree. I, okay, okay. Let's um let's hear. Well, I think if you're Buffalo and and you have the opportunity to, to get Evander Kane, which means you don't have to give up the assets you gave up to get him. Which oh, means maybe so you're thinking maybe Jack you're thinking maybe they were a better team. You're thinking that, like they might have actually been able to make. I mean, I, they probably could have made a run when Kane was younger. They, you know, like at the very least, you you keep Myers, who's he was more dependable than Bogosian. Um, you keep Kane. You, you maybe you keep your own first round draft pick. Maybe you get Jack Roslovic. At the very least, you end up trading Evander Kane anyway, and and getting the assets you did get back from you know at the deadline to the Sharks a few years ago. I don't know. I'm I'm not the guy making the picture, but I, I think there's no. some logic into into taking the best guy. No, I, I I actually I actually do agree with you. Well, the difference is that you know maybe things turn out as sour as they eventually did, um, and maybe taking Evander Kane long-term doesn't work out any better than, you know, trading for him did. But there is the possibility that trading for Evander Kane um, wins them extra playoff series in the early 2010s. And, you know, this was a team that, you know, with with um, fucking Ryan Miller as their goaltender, you know, probably should have won the Hart Trophy in the early 2010s. Um, on more than one occasion, and you know they couldn't find a way to fucking string together a good team with them. You know, I I I I, I see the merit there. Yeah, I'm gonna go Evander Kane. You've you've swung me, hmm. as I convinced you on okay. uh, on Duchesne. You've convinced me on Evander Kane. Beautiful. Look at that. It's all coming together. Uh, the Florida Panthers at 14. This is tough. I, I feel like Florida. There's two ways of looking at this. I think that they could have benefited immediately with a different player in this spot. Or I could look at where they are now and try to help them more now. And I think I'm going to take that route because d- despite the inter-years between this draft and, and where they are, you know, they had the one playoff appearance. You. Maybe. So you're telling me that you wouldn't draft Riley Smith and then just still pay Vegas to, to take him? No, I, I probably <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't give up um, uh, two assets to to gain none? I don't I don't think that's the way to operate a franchise like, personally. I mean, but. not like again, it's easy to say now, but dude, like think about the fact like if they don't trade Smith and Marcia so, not only is their forward group much better, they probably don't fucking sign Sergey Bobrovsky to a seventy million dollar deal. Like, woof. I you know 
I eh, maybe maybe I I think uh, a lot of teams were lining up for Sergei Bobrovsky where he was at that time. But yeah, well, it was always wrongly um, in my books. But I'm I'm gonna go David Savard. Wow, uh, not a not a bad for the Florida Panthers. No, that makes sense. Aaron Ekblad is, and I hope he will be. Uh, you know, better than what he's been, but he he has just not been what they signed up for when they drafted him first overall. Mm. Part of that's due to, you know, injuries and, and what have you, so there's not much you can do there. But I think if you just insert somebody else on that back end that can eat top minutes, take a little bit of pressure well, off What's of wrong with Dmitry Kulikov? <sighs> Maybe this gets him out the door quicker, yeah. actually. Yeah, true. Okay, so you're going Savard. Yeah, David Savard. Okay. Uh, up up. 81 spots. I am the Anaheim Ducks at 15th overall. They selected uh, Leaf great Peter Holland. Um, I unfortunately <laughs> will not be selecting Peter Holland on this one. Um, I will be... How dare I, you? Yeah, well, I, I... Yeah, sorry. I'll be taking Braden Shen uh, for a couple reasons. I think Braden Shen fits what the Ducks were doing at the time. I think Braden Shen fits what the Ducks are doing now. I think Braden Shen stops the Ducks from making the Ryan Kessler trade. Uh, yeah, like there's there, and many other reasons. I, I just think that it's a, a match made in heaven. Uh, they, they take Braden Shen, 15th overall. And count their lucky fucking stars too, because that's a steal at 15 overall. Yeah, no, that is. That, that's that's, yeah. You're dropping 10 spots to get uh, that's a hell of a player. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'll defend them very slightly in saying that, you know, Kessler, when they traded for him, is better than I think Shen has ever been. But Kessler very quickly was not Ryan Kessler anymore. And therefore, the trade kind of became purposeless after giving up um, what seemed to be a haul. Looking back on it, it's not that bad, I guess. But yeah, I, I think Shen's just a perfect fit. Okay, you've got sixteen. Do you do you want well, the pick history on that one? The pick history. On, this is the one that they swapped so, with the Islanders. So yeah, so this is the Minnesota Wild selecting this pick wa- was acquired from the Islanders, who actually acquired it from the Blue Jackets initially. Um, so I mean, it, it was involved in that Calvin DeHaan swap on draft day to move up. It was also involved in a swap earlier that day in which the Islanders traded. Um, with the Blue Jackets, a first-round pick that ended up uh, being selected, uh, Kyle Palmieri, we'll talk later, that, that pick ends up getting traded many times. Uh, a second-round pick, Matt Clark, third-round pick, in which they used to select Anders Nilsson, and a fourth-round pick, in which they used to select Casey Zizekas, so this fucking deal works out okay for the, uh, for the Islanders. And the, uh, they trade, um, they acquired that from the Blue Jackets, the Blue Jackets get uh, the 16th round, or 16th overall pick that ends up going for for Nick Letty and Matt Hackett. So actually, while I'm reading it, this this pick just gets traded so many times, the Blue Jackets get nothing out of it. <laughs> as That's as awful. you were, I guess. <laughs> uh, uh, after that long, strange trip down trade pick history lane, um, the Minnesota Wild are, are a team that I, I want to... I want them to be good. Like, okay. I don't know if that's the same 
with everybody. I, I we have a, we have a good buddy that's a Wild fan. Yeah. Um, but they're always like like they're always fine. They they show up. They do their job. They squeak into the playoffs. They sometimes put a fight up in the first round. Usually they don't. Um, but I, I want them to be good. Like I I I think it's a it's a hotbed for hockey. I think the fans deserve better. And with with the Minnesota Wild trading down to sixteen, I'm going to take a guy. Uh, that was not drafted in this draft. Um, and they trade down because they know that he's not going to be drafted in this draft. And I'm going to give them Tyler Johnson. Uh, wow. Of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, I'm going to slot him into their top six. Now, I think Tyler Johnson really makes the Minnesota Wild a much better hockey team. Uh, maybe not immediately. I'm, I'm going to assume he finishes out his college career. But uh, after that, time he comes over i think the wild are hitting a hitting a strong stride and he uh provides a, a big boost in that in that top six especially scoring a, a team that does not do that a lot yeah well and i mean another thing too that they always kind of look for were those clutch playoff moments and holy fuck man if you're looking for clutch playoff moments look no further than tyler johnson that guy is uh danny sure. briere light to be honest with you he doesn't get enough respect for that but uh yeah, actually, that's it's an interesting pick. I, I honestly, I, I, and this might spoil where this draft is going, but I honestly hadn't even really thought about looking into undrafted and things like that. I kind of just looked at the guys who got drafted in this draft class. But I mean, Tyler Johnson was draft eligible during this draft. There's no reason to say that you can't select him. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a good pick. I like that a lot. Uh, I have the St. Louis Blues at 17th overall. Uh, they selected David Runblad who, again, looking back on it, was a fucking... That was... It looked to be what the Senators did with Eric Carlson, but Runblad just never got there for some reason. Um, But a phenomenal prospect, really, looking back on it. Having said that, uh, David Runblad doesn't really... Like, I, I... I remember him getting traded... And I remember it was buying an asset, but I don't believe it was anything large. I'm looking it up right now. David Runblad. Oh, shit. Uh, David Runblad was traded to the Ottawa Senators the year later for 16th overall in the 2010 draft. Uh, the pick that the Blues used to select Vladimir Tarasenko. So, um... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they fucking... <laughs> Maybe they fucking take Runblad. Stay the I don't, yeah, honest to God, like fuck, good, good move. I guess. Shit. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like that's a tough one. I mean, I guess my argument would be that if they knew Tarasenko was going to be so damn good, that they probably could have found something else to trade for him, um, because at the time Runblad was a highly regarded prospect by seemingly everyone other than St. Louis a year a year after drafting him. They learned something about him in that year to determine that they no longer wanted him. But at the time, uh, supposed to be uh, an incredible draft pick. Um, I am going to go Anders Lee on this one. Uh, I think Anders Lee kind of fits the, the style of the St. Louis Blues. He's basically... Um, the reason they signed Patrick Maroon, other than the fact that Maroon's from St. Louis, like that's what they were looking to get, but they couldn't get it at a at a elite level, so they you know looked to get a, a money ballish signing in Patrick Maroon, and they they signed him, and uh, they got a productive forward during their cup run for sure. But I 
think that they would take 30 to 40 goals from Anders Lee um, doing pretty much the same thing. So, um, yeah, I think the Blues are, are a deadlier team for many, many years with a little bit more goal scoring, and especially in creative ways, kind of like Anders Lee does it. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's who I'm taking. So you're saying that with Anders Lee, the Blues maybe don't drop to last place in the NHL. Like 30th maybe, but not 31st last year <clears throat> before winning the Cup. Well, there's no doubt last year they still would have been bad because Anders Lee doesn't solve a lot of problems. But I do think that the Blues kind of make it a little bit further in previous years um, in their playoff runs than maybe they would have. And um, I think Anders Lee is just genuinely a player that would make them more dangerous now. The only caveat is I'm saying that, you know, with the assumption that they find a way to acquire Vladimir Tarasenko, because, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this team wouldn't be good without Vladimir Tarasenko. They proved this year that they fucking certainly are good without him. But, you know, Lee comes with the assumption that they have a Tarasenko or Tarasenko-esque winger already there. That's fair. He's a complimentary player more than he is a, a dominant player. Well, you've seen him play. Uh, yes, I, I am familiar. Live, in fact, in a playoff Ooh. game. Okay, well, that takes me to the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, while I had planned to take a centerman to help them out, um, there's not really a lot of options left uh, kicking, kicking around the old uh, schoolyard in terms of uh, guys that you would necessarily want uh, huh? as a first-line option in Montreal. <laughs> Which leads me to... Oh, boy, this is tough. I don't know where to go with this pick. If it makes you feel any more comfortable, keep in mind that whoever you pick, the fan base will still hate you. So, No, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> is, is Brian Dumoulin got any French in him? In him? Dumoulin? Brian D- Dumoulin? Dumoulin? I'm going to go with... Riley Smith on this one. Okay. Uh, the nice 69th overall pick by the Dallas Stars. Uh, I'm going to give him to Montreal. I'm going to hope that they don't try to convince him to play center. Um, <laughs> it's a and big then Just, uh, I don't know. That's I don't think there's a, a really a right answer here in, as far as what what one guy is going to help fix this team. Well, I mean... I, I, th- I think having Smith at least helps where they are. Smith maybe provides them with scoring that they were desperately looking for in the early to mid 2010s. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind the Smith pick. I mean, like the one thing the one thing is you're playing with fucking house money on this uh on this pick, right? Because for teams like Montreal that the pick turned out to be nothing, you know, this is a second shot and basically a free asset because fucking Louis LeBlanc never played there. They never traded him for anything. It, it was literally just a burnt first round pick. So I like I honestly I don't remember him playing a game. He may have played like thirty, at most, but he barely played there, if at all. So th- it's it's found money, and I think you're making the right choice. It's uh, Riley Smith's good forward. Uh, Louis LeBlanc played uh, fifty games for the. Fuck Habs. off! He played fifty five zero. Jesus five zero. I don't have any five goals, five assists. I don't have any recollection of that. Okay, well. Yeah, all right. Well, it's up to Habs fans to decide. Would you trade the Louis LeBlanc era for Riley Smith? <laughs> era. Yeah, well. Era. <laughs> Remember when they took that kid because he was French? <laughs> Which time? Yeah. Wow. Um, 
the New York Rangers have the, have the 19th selection. Um, shit. I mean, like, the, the, it's an interesting one to weigh because it's like, what could they have used? Um, and, you know, what could they use now? And looking back on it, when they had their cup runs, they had some really good, like, they had a pretty good defense core for a while, to be honest with you. It's, it's one of those things, like, the decor aged fucking terribly, man. Like, Mark Stahl is not, not excellent anymore. I say that being a big Mark Stahl fan from the early 2010s, so I'm trying to sugarcoat that. Um, Dan Girardi, uh, I have way less personal attachment to. He fucking sucks now. But, um, he was really good in the early 2010s. Like, they had a fucking incredible top four decor, man. And even looking back, like, even Michael Delzato was like a fifth defenseman for them for a while. Like, he was really good for a while. So, I, I'm very cautious here, but... I do think that they could use a defenseman still. I do think that there is a defenseman who comes to mind for me that would have helped them then, still would help them now. I was tempted to go Evander Kane here um, initially when we when we were looking through it the first time, and my problem was that is if Kane flipped to, or, or ended up, sorry, if Kane ended up slipping to this pick, him in New York City just seems like a. A horrible idea for a long-term plan. So um, that was kind of who I had thought in mind. But this actually worked out. I would have always gone Dmitry Orlov, despite the fact that you know, um, when I think of their decor, I I think of a good decor then. But certainly now he is a guy that they could use. He still would have been a good third-pairing guy then. Um, I think he just complements the team. Uh, Dmitry Orlov is the first player uh, off my board of 30 guys. Mm. So, okay. Well. Uh, there it is. We will not have 30 names that match. Okay. Well, we already didn't because I uh, I did not have Tyler Johnson. So. Ooh, true. Yeah. True. Okay. Well, Twi- I have the New Jersey Devils. 20th overall on draft day was traded. Uh, uh, the Devils traded uh, uh, first round pick, which was 23rd overall. The Flames later used to select Tim Erickson, as we'll get to shortly. A third-round pick uh, in that year's draft, which was 84th overall, which was used to select Nick Delorier. Uh, and with this pick, the Devils used to select um, Jacob Josephson, who was fine in the NHL for a few years, I guess. Well, it's, uh, it's fine, I guess. It's... Could be worse. So It's okay. Could be worse. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, could, doesn't hurt. Do worse, I guess. But but <laughs> I guess what I'll say is this is still found money because it's not a player that they currently have. I don't think anyway. Pretty sure he's gone now. It is found money. Yeah, it is found money. And what I'm going to do with that found money is I'm going to save them even more money mm. by drafting Kyle Palmieri Ooh. and not trading for okay. him. So the Devils keep Kyle Palmieri, kind of the status quo as far as what they get out of him. They get him sooner. Um, what did they trade for Palmieri? Know, could, was that was uh, that Henrique? No, that was uh, Vatanen. What did they What did they, they trade for Palmieri? It was something big, I thought. Florida's Florida's second round pick in 2015, Minnesota's third round pick in 2016. So they just gave up picks to get Palmieri. Was yeah. he a deadline rental or something? Well, not a rental, but was he a deadline acquisition or uh, some shit? 
Nope. In the must have been draft day actually. It was wow. June 2015. What a bargain. Yeah. That's a yeah like a perennial 25 30 goal scorer there. It's pretty good. Actually. Especially if, like you, you add a couple more draft picks to a team that you know is currently yeah. rebuilding and. Who who knows, right? So you get him. I think Palmieri is wildly popular in New Jersey. Um, I like him in New Jersey. Like he's kind of one of those guys. Like I, despite him having played in Anaheim, I don't really see him anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like he's to me, he's a devil. I think it just kind of makes sense. You, you like you said, house money with the pick, and you get some extra picks out of it in the end as well. So. Okay. Twenty uh, first overall, a pick that initially belonged to the Philadelphia Flyers. Here's a fucking trade tree for you. Um, the Ducks acquired this pick from the Flyers initially uh, in the Chris Pronger trade. <laughs> uh, Chris Pronger and Ryan Dingle to the Flyers for Joffrey Lupo, Lucas Spisa, a first round pick, um, which the, Bla- the the Blue Jackets end up with in a few minutes here. Um, a first-round pick in 2010, which was used to select Emerson Edom, and a conditional pick that was not exercised. Uh, the Ducks then trade said pick to the Blue Jackets, uh, which, again, is later used to select Kyle Palmieri for the Ducks. Uh, so the Blue Jackets end up with this pick, and they end up selecting John Moore. And although John Moore is a still a fairly usable um, defenseman, I... I, I think you have to go Mike Hoffman here. Um, it's just they have had trouble getting free agents to sign there. They've had trouble finding consistent goal scorers since Rick Nash left. Uh, they obviously got Panarin, and I think you make that trade every day of the week still knowing he's going to leave. But I think Hoffman's maybe a guy that they managed to convince to play there. Uh, and looking back on it too, like Hoffman's a guy who ended up going, I think he's a fifth or a sixth round pick. So this is a guy who, you know, he's not a high end prospect. This is a guy who is very appreciative of what he has now. Um, so, you know, I'm not necessarily a big fan of the guy, but I think it's a usable player. And if I'm the Blue Jackets, I take Mike Hoffman 21st. I don't mind that. Mm -hmm. I had Hoffman going at 22nd actually, so. Beat me by one spot. Okay, so that leaves me with the Vancouver Canucks at 22nd. And uh, for the second time, uh, I will be going uh, off the draft mm. board uh, to help out the Vancouver Canucks at uh, at defense. And I'm going to give them Tory Krug uh, to Ooh. fill out that back end. Yeah, Tory Krug, undrafted in 2009 despite being eligible. So... Mm. Uh, slots into that uh, that decor. Or maybe you don't go out and spend a bunch of money on Tyler Myers at the you know free agency last summer. No. Um, you can move on from Edler perhaps a little sooner. I am curious um, as someone who again did not really think about free agents and um, undrafteds and things like that. Uh, I am curious why you would save Krug this late, considering he is probably better than most of the defensemen in this draft class I would say with the exception had, of Hedman, Ekman Larson, and maybe Ellis that he's better than everyone else I had him as my fourth ranked D 
Um, I guess I think it's just a result of kind of the guys that have gone ahead of them mixed with the needs of certain yeah. teams. No, I so. guess you're right because you were thinking right shot D two when you were talking Edmonton, not so much. Uh, but I mean, I think they would rather have Krug over over Barry. But I mean, it's whatever. They they might. Yeah. 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 No, it, no, it's not a slight against Krug. I, I don't think he should be going necessarily twenty second overall. I just. I think that's just kind of how the the, cur- the cookie crumbled, yeah. so to speak. Well, and I mean, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, uh, none of these fucking teams <laughs> knew an- anything that was going to happen this. anyway. Yeah. So this is still just found money that they all get. So cool. Okay, twenty uh, third overall again. The Calgary Flames acquired this pick from the Devils. It was in the uh, the fucking trade that I talked about uh, like two minutes ago. Um, the Calgary Flames, eh? The Flames are a team. Who? <laughs> oh man, we we get a lot of Flames fans that listen to this podcast, and I gotta tell you, this is this might chap some hides here, but nah, I don't know. I genuinely believe that since Mika Kiprasov fell apart because he had to play uh, eighty thousand minutes a season for ten straight years, that the Flames have not had an even really a serviceable goaltender. They are one of the few teams who kind of gets underrated for. Um, you know the Flyers problem, and I, obviously the Flyers had the issue for a lot more years. But finding that goaltender, you know, like the Leafs narrative gets inflated because they're Toronto, but there was the ten years there they couldn't find a goalie between the end of Belfour and Frederick Anderson. Um, I think the Flames would be a lot happier with Darcy Kemper in that uh, right now and in the past. Uh, and I could go down the list of reasons why. I mean, I think Darcy Kemper's always been a good goaltender, never got an opportunity. Uh, he was always a guy who I, you know, was hoping a team would kind of... Like, there was always a narrative on Cam Talbot, right? That Cam Talbot was more than just Henrik Lundqvist's backup, and I never felt that way, but everyone else did, apparently, and here we are, and he's not that good. And ironically, now he's on Calgary. And I always thought Kemper was one of those guys who did deserve that opportunity. I always thought he was good. I was always advocating for Darcy Kemper. Um, And I think in the past he would have helped the Flames years ago. I think now he helps the Flames too because having him not on Arizona uh, would, would have a few more wins for the Flames this year probably. Or at least, you know, a few more points up on the Coyotes in the standings, which helps them. I, I, I just think any way you slice it, the, the Flames would be better off with Darcy Kemper. The Flames are another team. Like, I look at them on, on paper, and I have no earthly understanding why they're not better than how they are. I, I chalk it up to coaching, but at a certain point, it's like, how many guys are going to get a kick at the can? You know, like, uh, Bill Peters aside, uh, you know, they, they've given a lot of guys an opportunity here, and they really have not shined under any particular coach and yet they're a team I look at them on paper and it's like they should be fucking way better than what they are so it's either there's an issue with the core or they need some help with other areas and I just I think it's hard to make the rest of their team any better with anything from this draft and the one need that they've always had is a goaltender they they take Darcy Kemper here oh, no that's spot on I, I had Kemper going 24th myself so back-to-back picks here where we've been one-off mm. um i like that pick that's that's a really sensible pick for the flames uh sorry to all of our listeners that are gonna disagree with with your your words yeah no i mean i i i i think he's really good 
I, I think if you play the right system in front of him, he's he's Ben Bishop like to me. Very calm, mm, yeah. swallows the puck. It's really good. There you go. Um, the Washington Capitals at twenty fourth. Uh, Two thousand and nine. We're in the middle of what would be the height, you could say, of Alex Ovechkin's career. Mm. Now the team drafted Marcus Johansson. Um, at this spot. Uh, a guy that I felt never really helped the team out. Like, I, I think he's a, a decent enough middle six kind of forward, but, like, he wasn't around for the cup. Was he around for the cup win? I think he was gone by he then. He was gone. Eh? Or did he, did he win the cup with them? He won the cup with them? I don't believe so, no. I believe he was gone. Marcus Johansson. Mm, yeah, he was gone 2017. Yeah, there it is. Missed it by that mm-hmm. much. Um, almost, but yeah, almost just, won the just cup with the Bruins that, last year, too. <laughs> that that yeah. guy. Fuck, maybe he is the guy to, the guy to pick. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Washington Eric Holla. Ooh. Uh, and and for for two reasons. Uh, one, I, I think Eric Holla plays a style of game that would have fit very well into what the Washington Capitals were about to become under Dale Hunter. Um, and also, uh, his debut in the NHL more or less corresponded with the end of Alex Semmons' career in the NHL. So, you draft him now, by the time he's NHL level ready, you've just lost Semmon, you can kind of pencil Hall in as a, you know, semi-replacement for... Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that Eric Hollow would have had 40 goals with the Capitals, but you know you could easily plug him in on that left side and still get some production out of him that you definitely lost when Semin drove off the cliff or whatever happened to his career. Uh, it was more like they drove Alex Semin off the cliff. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, yeah. Eric Hollow is among the most underrated players in the league. I'm a really big fan of what he currently is um injuries aside that's the really only the the only knock on him but like honestly when when you talk about like there are plenty of forwards we've taken already that i would rather have eric Halla if he's healthy but that's the big if and um i think when he's healthy he is a very very good player so yeah i think it's a great pick i think that that helps the capitals for sure i like that a lot uh, I got the Boston Bruins, which um, I don't know if you know anything about me. I'm not a huge fan, uh, but there, like, there are many, many players left. I think that sort of do things for the Bruins. Uh, I'm going Braden McNabb. Uh, I think that the Bruins have made it very clear uh, that they are not a very friendly team, and Braden McNabb is not a very friendly defenseman. I I like him a lot. I wouldn't if he played for the Bruins, uh, and but I think that that's a good fit for them, and it's just more defensive depth. It's a guy who I, I got to be honest with you, they probably wouldn't have to force fucking you know Chara to play one more year if they had Braden McNabb, because Braden McNabb is um, what Chara has been for a few years, which is fine, not great. <laughs> that's spot on. Um, makes a lot of sense. I, I had someone else in mind for the Bruins, but I think I'm going to use them on this pick for Anaheim. So. Uh, McNabb, 
definitely makes a lot of sense there uh, for the Bruins as far as I'm not going to go over the whole history of this pick, but this pick was traded five times. It initially belonged to the Sharks. The Sharks traded it to the Lightning in the Dan Boyle trade. Uh, the Lightning then traded it to the Senators in the Andre Mazaros trade. The Senators traded it to the Islanders in a trade that involved Mike Comrie, Chris Campoli, Dean McCammond. Uh, then to the Blue Jackets, then to the Ducks. This hmm. pick's been around. Been around. Been Over around? the course of a year, uh, too. That's so. not clear. First time it got traded was in yeah. the summer of 2008, and it just steadily got bounced around. All right, well, that being said, uh, after all that moving around, uh, where the, the pick will settle uh, with the Anaheim Ducks is going to be uh, defenseman Nate Schmidt. Um, Ooh, nice. Sammy Vatnin, uh, they would later go on to draft a few rounds later this year. Obviously, they trade him for Adam Henrique, but I think if, if you've got Schmidt, that not only helps re- you know replace the loss of Vatnin, but... You know, I think Schmidt's the better defenseman overall. Um, that being said, the reason they trade Vatnin is to get under the issues with losing a guy to the expansion. So maybe it's kind of a moot point in, in the overall end. But I, I think Nate Schmidt, at the very least, steps into that lineup. And maybe they get over the hump in 2014-2015 era and uh, take a, a, a legit run to the cup. Okay. Especially with them having drafted, uh, who who did you pick at 15 for them? Braden Shin? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, the Ducks did pretty well in this redraft for sure. Um, 27, Carolina Hurricanes, they uh, actually selected Philip Paradis, who, again, we're looking for found money here with the with the Carolina Hurricanes, um, which I forgot. I guess this was uh, after a trip to the conference finals here for the, for the Hurricanes. Is that right? Yeah, wow. I don't remember that series at all. Um, what I do, stall versus stall. What I do, oh yeah, I guess. What I do remember about the Hurricanes, because this has kind of been the case for them for a long time, is they they are very similar to like, um, you know, the uh, when I think of the Oilers, I think of they've always been a fast team. When I think of the Bruins, I, I you know they've always been a uh, a physical team. You know, um, you know the Devils traditionally were always a defensive team, and when I think of the Hurricanes, I think of an offensive, skilled team. They've always been a skilled team, and one thing that they could have used, I think, in the early 2010s, something that they still have plenty of now, but could use more of, is skill and a talented winger, more so a top six winger. And when I think of a, you know, bona fide top six winger, I think of Thomas Tatar, and I look at Tatar now a little differently than I did a couple years ago. I didn't really think of Tatar as that great, to be honest with you. And when I kind of look back on his career and evaluate a lot of the situations that he's been put in, I don't really think he was ever given a fair shake until Montreal. Like, certainly he, you know, he was in the lineup every night and he was getting minutes and, and playing in the NHL. But I don't really look at Tatar as a guy that was ever really leaned on and and looked at as that guy he was kind of a supporting piece in Detroit for a lot of the years and by the time that they wanted to move him up the lineup they didn't really know what to do with him because um they didn't really have a coach there for him so I look at Tatar as a guy who would have fit very well in Carolina again it's a team that you know for years was well coached and um you know have kind of always played this style I think he fits perfect there that's a, that's a good pick. I had uh, Tatar going to the Hurricanes at twenty seven as well. Nice. So, 
I got the Chicago Blackhawks uh, a mere 10 months before their first Stanley Cup win in uh, 48 years. Uh, 49. 49 years. Now, I my pick is based on what happens after the Cup win in that uh, there's a bit of a max exodus in, in players. They've got this, this cap issue comes into play with so many star players um, leaving for free agency for better deals. I'm going to give them a guy uh, on defense um, at, at 28th overall that not only helps mitigate the loss of, of Bufflin and, and, and later Jalmerson, but I, I think also provides a realistic trade chip around the same time that he was traded in the NHL, and that's Semi Vatnin. Hmm. Um, so that I, I think that takes a little bit of the pressure off them losing a couple guys on the D, on the back end, and then and then yeah, I, I still I don't love Semi Vatnin overall. I think he was really good at one point in his career, and his, it's really dropped off for him. And He's certainly still serviceable. Like, like like there's no doubt about that. But right. I agree with you. But it gives them a, it gives the Blackhawks a guy that they could flip, and you know, have something coming back the other way at the very least. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's my guy, Sammy Vat and twenty eight. Okay, uh, twenty nine. I got the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, fucking throw a dart at the dartboard, basically. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna go Jacob Silverberg, and um, my reasoning is is pretty simple. Uh, I look at Silverberg as a very good winger. Um, like I, I'm a big fan. I think he's a guy who is in the very distant Selkie conversation every year. Like he's just kind of uh, like tier three. He's up there, but he's 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 never going to win one, you know. And uh, but he's a really good defensive forward. Basically, what I think that this does for them is is you know it's unfortunate what happened. But let's be honest, we know how the Ryan Callahan deal worked out for them. Not well. Uh, the trade itself was fine, and Callahan was fine there. But Silverberg is just a better Callahan. He always kind of has been. So, I, I, to me, I just think it's issues that they had with Callahan on the ice that they didn't have to deal with if they would have taken Silverberg. And, um... Hmm. Again, we're talking revisionist history here, so you know it's it's easy to sit back and say what we know now. I, I go Silverberg. Hmm. I like mm-hmm. it. You got you get to round us out here, All Jimbo. Right. I do. I got the Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. I know you're gonna make it interesting, uh, like com- fucking get Gary Roberts out of retirement or something like that. I don't think he was eligible, Brutes, but uh, if I could, I would. Uh, also, he was not retired at the time. That's um, fucked. Oh, maybe he no. Was. Yeah, he, he well, he, reti- no, this he was, retired. Yeah, this yeah he retired. Yeah, he retired during this past season. So he would have been reti- retired for like four months, and then the Penguins call him out of retirement and been like, "Hey, do you want to do it again?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> Why not? I'm I'm, I'm in better shape than half. <laughs> They'll your keep team. him around for yeah. six years so he can yell at Phil Kessel in 2015. Yeah, conditioning master. Yeah. Um, with the 30th pick of the draft, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, I, I'm going to pick a guy for the Penguins that, um, kind of fits their mold. Uh, a versatile forward can kind of play any of the positions up front. 
uh, speedy, shifty. I think you could really easily slot him in on Crosby's line. I think he'd play well on Malkin's line. He probably could have centered Kessel's line. And he's not too expensive. He comes at a pretty good cap hit, especially early on in his career. And uh, with the last pick of the 2009 redraft, I'm going with uh, undrafted forward Jonathan Marcheseau. Mm. Good pick. Yeah. I, 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 he's, he's the prototypical Pittsburgh Penguins forward as far as I'm concerned, aside from the fact that you've heard of his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I will say this is you may have a uh, a uh, sorrow Sujimoto uh, situation here, uh, in the sense that uh, Jonathan Marcheseau back in two thousand nine was not known as Jonathan Marcheseau. His full legal name Jonathan Odie Marcheseau. So, ooh, fun! I I would not have gotten the guy I wanted. Ended up with the wrong guy somehow. Okay, well, there's our redraft. Uh, do you want to do our top ten quick? I got, we, we can do our top quit uh, top ten. I do have a trivia question for you though, based on our uh, our redraft sure. of uh, of the thirty names selected. Uh, which NHL team has had the most play for their franchise? Oh, like what? What team is represented most in these thirty players? Yeah, of those thirty guys, which team has had Ooh. the most appear for their franchise? Um. Hmm. I'm 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 gonna guess Colorado just because that was my first instinct. It might be Anaheim though. Let's see, Colorado's got uh, three, four. It's definitely not Colorado. Okay. I don't think it's Anaheim either. No, I feel like Anaheim had like six no. in there somewhere. No, uh, maybe, maybe not. Silverberg, Vatnin, uh, Palmieri. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> Silverberg. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's definitely not Anaheim. Yeah. Who who is it? I believe it's uh, with seven, the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> <laughs> the only team not actually in the draft is the team represented the most. That's fucked. Isn't that fun? That team uh, they've only been you around for McNabb. three years, man. Yeah, you got McNabb, I... Marcheseau, uh, Tatar, yeah. uh, Riley Smith, Nate Schmidt. Uh, Robin Leonard. Yeah, I and guess. And eh? I think that's it. That's seven. Eric Halla. Did you say Halla? Eric Halla. Yeah, no, I missed Halla. Yeah, Halla. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, man, like, fuck, not that I'm trying to, like, stir anything up if we've got any fucking Vegas Golden Knights fans, but, like, you know, it's only been three years, but, man, oh, man, have they ever gotten ripped off in these first three years? They lose in the cup final, they lose on a fucking garbage call, and then they lose... Maybe, maybe we lose the season... In the year where I feel the most confident that they probably like might have won the Stanley Cup this year. Oh, they're NHL fans now. They've, <laughs> well, they've suffered. Welcome and, to it. Been through. Yeah. Hell, well, you so. should just be happy yeah. that you get to do NHL. it over the course of three years. Uh, try dragging it out for twenty. You know, I was watching Game Seven. Uh, Senators and Leafs was on uh, recently, and I was just looking at that team, Digital man. Team. And like, I like, I understand they lose in six to the Flyers, and you know, like, it's hard to sit here and say. If they beat the Flyers, what they would have done. Fuck, man, that, that team should have won the Stanley Cup. I don't know what the fuck happened, but they should have won. That, they, like, they had the best team in the NHL in 2004. Come on. You know? I'm watching them play. They they play the right fucking style for the way that they were built. This, this, yeah. Bullshit. 
I understand why I... Wow, that, uh, that's huge. I understand why I was so pissed off at the time. Um, our top ten this mm-hmm. week is our top ten favorite comedians. Uh, the reason I wanted to pick this is, A, it's it's kind of easy to, to, you know, it's just a, we each make our list and compare, and it's always easy to put those together. Uh, but the other reason being is because in this state of um, isolation, quarantine, misery, whatever you want to call it, is that you may be looking for something to watch, and you may be looking for something uplifting to watch, and um, we'll probably do our top ten favorite comedy specials at a later date. But I think that's harder. You know what I mean? That's re- that's really hard. Like that's that's harder for me than narrowing down my top ten comedy movies because there's just so much packed into a special. They're all so similar yet so different in, in so many ways. Um, I I look at it as an art form, and, and I just didn't want to get too deep into that tonight. So it's fine. Do you have honorable mentions at all? I have many. <laughs> I do not. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'll give you a preview of the t- of the ten comedians that unfortunately do not make my list. Um, and uh, yeah, this fuck this was difficult. Uh, the, the 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 but I am also a fan of. If you want to check out some of their stuff, uh, we're looking Tig Nataro, Patrice O'Neill, the late Patrice O'Neill, uh, Judah Friedlander, Sebastian Maniscalco, the legend Bill Hicks, Ricky Gervais, Chris D'Elia, uh Pete Zedlacker. And, um, my guy, but he's number 11, is, is Mark Marin. You're number 10, sir. Uh, my number 10 is, um, a, a personal favorite. I, I don't really know if anyone else is gonna jump on board or be familiar with, with his work, but, uh, it's a Scottish-born comedian by the name of Danny Boy. Hmm. Um, I, uh, I don't believe he's on Netflix. He might be on Crave, uh, he's got a few specials uh, that he's put out. I don't believe he's on uh, either, but he, yeah, now. he's been around for quite a while, so his work shouldn't be too hard yeah. to get a hold of if people were interested. Sure, there's plenty on YouTube. He's still he's still touring. I haven't seen any new specials in a few years now, so um, maybe there's something in the works. But big fan of his work. He kind of uh, he's got this very unique uh, shtick. Well, maybe not unique is the maybe unique's not the right word, but he, he kind of takes uh, he's got a mixed background heritage mm-hmm. of his own, and he likes to make fun of different heritages, and he does quite a good job. He's he kind of does a, a good job of personifying different uh, European backgrounds, and uh, yeah, I get a kick out of him every time. I watch yeah, him. I I do like him a lot. He's he's pretty good. Another name that came to mind, and he doesn't make my list, but I I do like Jimmy Carr quite a bit, but. He he's another one. I just I I do like the real raunchy comedian, but there is like a I do have a bit of a line where it's just like I don't know. You can only do so much of it in a set, and I think Jimmy Carr does a good like mixture of it of being like very like diplomatic, but he's also like fucking just brutal sometimes. You know, yeah, the worst. Yeah, he's he's great. <laughs> um, speaking of raunchy and brutal, my number ten is Nikki Glazer. I. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, there are very few comedians that have a one hour special where they don't make a joke about anything other than sex, but Nikki Glaser is one of them. And it's like, listen, I don't find sexual humor, like the funniest thing ever. It gets really stale sometimes. It's, you gotta be careful the way you do it. I think because sometimes it's just, I don't know. It just seems like comedians just say shit and it's like not funny. And, uh, Nikki Glaser has a very... Uh, she's just very good at, at mixing 
types of humor, I think. And uh, when she gets raunchy, she's very good at it. Uh, she is one of those people, when she's on things, I just genuinely think she's a very funny lady. So, I like her a lot. She's my number 10. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, my number 9 is uh, someone that I, I think, I'm going to predict is a little higher on your list, if not mm-hmm. maybe even top 3. Uh, Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find that I enjoy about like 70% of every special he puts okay. out. It's it's aggressive in nature. I, I don't mind that. Um, I find that I, I find that he doesn't really know when to say uh, enough's enough, and maybe that's just part of the comedy. And I, I don't get that, but uh, for the most part, I enjoy him. And uh, I, I I don't think I have a deep list. I like to go back to the same, you know, fifteen twenty guys, and uh, I don't stray out from beyond that very often. But he uh, he definitely makes the top half of the mm. list. So okay. Yeah, you should branch out a little bit more, man. You should see what else is out there, you know? Uh, Get a good laugh out. It's good to laugh. My number nine is Ron White. I've seen him in person before. I'm a very big fan. Um, He was probably my first favorite stand-up comedian. I would say he's one of the guys that got me interested in stand-up comedy. Uh, He has some of my favorite bits ever. Uh, I will go... So similar to your comment on Bill Burr's how kind of how I feel about Ron White, I will say that about seventy percent of his routines, I I am like dying, and about thirty percent of it, it's just it's not for me. And the reason being is that Ron White's part of his shtick is that he's a redneck, but he's also rich, and I'm neither of those things. I'm not a redneck, and I don't have any money, so <laughs> like I I can only relate so much to it, but. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a big fan. He likes to drink. I like to drink. Um, he he likes to meet people and talk to people, and so do I. And I think in many, many ways I would get along very well with him, and that's why a lot of his humor resonates with me. I'd, I'd go for a drink with yeah, him. Yeah, I'll say this. I've never... My jaw has never hurt as bad um, as it did from fucking laughing at seeing him a few years ago. He's just outstanding. Mm, there you go. Uh, well, my number seven... Or sorry, yeah, my number eight, number eight buddy. Uh, is uh, my number eight is uh, Ron no. White. So, um, yeah, that that pretty much you've said it all. I I'm right there with you. Like I, I you and I have seen him live. Uh, I I absolutely love it when he gets talking about his drinking escapades. But when he starts talking about the deep south and being rich, I, I yeah, I'm there's a just lost, there, but. and it's not a large part of the specials, but it's just enough where it's like. There are there is like maybe an eight minute gap of every one of his specials where I just kind of sit there, you know, politely listening and enjoying it, but not laughing. Um, if you were to rank your favorite specials of all time, is one of them his? Yeah, it, it would make a it would make a list for sure. Which one? Probably uh, they call me Tater I Salad. I think the bit they call me Tater Salad's obviously the classic, but I think my favorite, I, I like the the Doctor Phil bit is still, like, one of my top ten favorite stories I've ever heard. Like, it's just fucking incredible. You know? That's fair. Uh, my n- I'll give you my number eight sure. is Jim Gaffigan. Um, the, the, the fact that the guy can be so funny and do 35 minutes about corn dogs is just fucked. Like, that's insane. Um, he, he is an incredible writer. He is an absolute genius when it comes to acting, and and I, I honestly I'm a large large fan of his. 
The only reason he is lower on the list than I would consider is because I find him funnier as an actor than as a comedian, but I still think he's incredible as a comedian. Um, yeah, it's just great. If you're looking for something to watch with uh, with your family, this is your guy. He, he, he hardly ever swears. He hardly ever gets raunchy, really. It's, it's, it's relatable raunchy when it is. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I'm a big uh, Jim Gaffigan guy. The Hot Pocket guy, if you're not sure who he is right off the off the top. Glad to hear that Hot Pockets did not go uh, into the category of an endangered food item uh, mm. for Jim Gaffigan's yeah, sake. Uh, Jim Gaffigan is my number seven. <laughs> so this uh, this list is getting real boring okay. on my end. Um, yeah, uh, he was in the 70s show. I'll say that there. That's my contribution. Okay. Loved him. Loved him from then. Have you Have you ever watched his show? You have, have seen it now, eh? It's it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's great. It, it is. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Even what's that? I think it's on Amazon Prime now. It definitely used to be. I I, I assume it still is. Then, if you've watched it recently, I might uh, I might get into that actually during this isolation. I got to be honest with you. But yeah, no, it's it's twenty three or twenty four episodes long. I'm pretty sure, and they cut it short because. Um, he and his wife were like the two driving forces in making the show and basically like the fact that they have five children is true but they were spending more time in a professional environment than they were actually as a family and he they wanted to spend more time together as a family so they stopped doing the show the possibility of it coming back i wouldn't really rule it out um because it's not that it got canceled or that it wasn't funny holy shit is it ever funny did you did you get to the uh, John Mulaney episode? Well, he's in a couple, but no, I have okay. not. Cool. Uh, my number seven is Hannibal Burris. Uh, I find the his delivery. Uh, there there are very few comedians. In fact, I will say he's the best uh, by far on this list of ten that I have. I think he's the best I've ever heard at. The joke doesn't even need to be funny. It's more so he'll pick a word or two that makes the joke funnier. And just the way he uses his vocabulary to make things funny is just incredible. And uh, I'm a big fan of it. I think that there's a lot of genius inside his comedy. He's one of those guys that I think I could watch a special five, six times in a row. Catch little things about a joke. I would know the wording, but hearing it again, you know what I mean? You'd catch different things. I, I think he's a, he's a genius. Uh, you might know him from uh, the movie Neighbors. He's the he's the cop that keeps coming up and, and ruining things for Seth, uh, Seth Gordon and Seth Gordon. Seth Rogen and uh, Rose Byrne. Uh, my number six is uh, the long-departed Mitch Hedberg. Mm. That's a good um, pick. Also, also of seventy show nice. uh, fame. Uh, no, he. <laughs> My he, number five is Ashton Kutcher. What? Yeah, <laughs> I, I believe he died in oh uh, two oh three. I thought it was oh one, but okay. Okay, yeah, you're early two thousands right. around that early two thousands. Yeah, uh, the king of the one liner. Yeah, so for sure he is. Just in and out tells three hundred jokes. Com- complete every. Show. complete non sequitur like just like just non-stop non sequiturs like it's just ridiculous it's it's um he's very Stephen Wright like you know what I mean like just very um the way he is and the way he words his jokes yeah he's he like he's another one the vocabulary choice and things like that kind of add to it um he yeah he's great 
Yeah, yeah, big fan. I, I can't argue. Always seems like he's high on stage. Definitely, um, which does remind me of his uh, of his famous line: uh, "I used to do drugs, I still do, but I used to too." Uh, he died in two thousand five, which um, that that seems wrong, but but all right. <laughs> Who am I to argue with the internet? Uh, his Wikipedia page has some of his favorite one-liners or famous one-liners on here. I'm against picketing, but I don't know how to show it. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't slept for ten days because that would be too long. Um, yeah, no, he's fucking really good. <laughs> um, my number six is Jim Jeffries. Uh, again, seen him live. Uh, I will watch his show on occasion. I much prefer his stand-up, but his show has some some good stuff in it too. Uh, yeah, again, he's the king of the raunchy comedy. Um, in terms of raunchy, he's probably my favorite on the list, or my highest on the list that I would say is just pure, you know, a lot of dick jokes and things like that, but he's, he's really good at them. So, uh, yeah, big fan. I saw him at the auditorium. He played two and a half hours. I believe an hour of it was was scripted and in his special and the hour, the other hour and a half was just completely ad-libbed and, and improv on the spot because he got a couple of drinks in him and was able to improvise real, real well. He was great. Really great. Probably best comedian I've seen live. Uh, top five. My, my number five is, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Nice. Nice. King of the physical the humor. stallion. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's this guy is all body language. He's very um, like like kind of the reason why like Michael Richards was so famous in the eighties is because like same thing and and he got the the role of Kramer because he was he's so good at using his body to be funny and when you watch Seinfeld like if you've never really considered that y- you'll never unsee it now is just the fact that twenty percent of the reason you're laughing at his jokes is because he can sell it with his whole body. And I very I've seen very few people like that. Sebastian Maniscalco is one of them. Um, he is not nearly as funny to listen to. Watch his specials and pay attention to him, because he is probably funnier than his material. <laughs> yeah, you know, one one of those guys that doesn't translate into like an, an audio CD. It's not as well. Still good, but it, it doesn't do him justice. He he is one guy I don't know if I ever would have gotten into if not for you. To be honest with you, hmm. yeah. Oh, oh, right on. Yeah, you no. Well, yeah, you you turn me on to him. You just one night, well, we were coming back from Boston Pizza because remember when you could go to bars and drink with your friends, and um, we were fucking loaded, and you were just told me, man, you gotta watch this fucking Sebastian guy, and I'm like, Sebastian who? And you're like, Manis, Manis, man, and then you struggled with it, and uh, so I figured it out eventually, and I uh, I watched him, and he's really funny, so. I don't imagine there's too many Sebastians in the in the comedy business either. So. No, it was the first thing came up. I think I got four letters in. So, um, <laughs> my my number five is uh, Anthony Jeselnik. Um, uh, yeah, like speaking of one-liners, uh, Jeselnik is great for telling a joke that is three sentences long, but making it last a minute and a half. And, you know, it sounds like a bad thing, but the fact that he's able to just build anticipations within his jokes, you know, his jokes are almost a bit in and of themselves because they're so, like, rude and, like, like just, like, he's he comes across as the biggest asshole in the history of stand-up comedy. And he, and he could be. Um, 
but it's just because they're so like they're things that you wouldn't find funny and somehow he can make them funny and uh yeah I, I I like him I think he's a he's a genius writer and he does a very good job at telling his jokes as well yeah right on I just uh, fell in my room sitting still so okay. that's how my life is going mm-hmm. uh my number four is uh Mike Berbiglia mm. uh the the king of the the long story if 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 Mitch Hedberg is the short story uh Berbiglia is the extended novel a lot of uh, people don't like like a lot of comedians don't love Berbiglia and I think part of that so I've read anyway is because they consider what he does more of a one man show than it is stand up comedy and to me like I think they're kind of the same thing but like um he does do what I think is closer to a one man show than it is stand up I'd still call it stand up and I still think he's funny as fuck but I I'm just kind of saying like that's that's kind of the style he is more so is just like a long sort of realization of life and a journey through life more than it is um, a series of jokes doesn't mean it's a bad thing it's just kind of different but it's but it's cool oh i'm a big fan i i like a long story like i, th- I think i prefer the long oh, for story sure. as a comedian like when you can tie something together that you said 20 minutes ago i find there's a skill in it's that, way that harder of, to do like anyone can it, write a yeah, fucking it's above telling a joke anyone can write yeah. a joke but to find humor in a situation that a lot of other people wouldn't find humor in, like, that's what a comedian's job is, as far as I'm concerned. And, um, yeah, because a lot of his stories are not happy stories. But he's really good at turning them into a joke. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, the, I like the dude. Uh, I especially enjoyed him, although I'm not a fan of the star of the movie. I do really like the movie Trainwreck, and he is hysterical in Trainwreck, so true um my number four is dave Chappelle. just um arguably the best stand-up comedian of the last 20 years um i'm not sure that i would make that argument there are three people i think that are better than him obviously that's why he's number four but i <laughs> i do i do like dave Chappelle's mixture he he has such a wide mixture of types of jokes and he is one of the few comedians where it's just like, what is his style? And your answer is, he's just fucking Dave Chappelle, man. Like, he's just Dave Chappelle. I don't know how to describe his comedy. It's, he's Dave Chappelle. And, um, I look forward to every single time he drops a new, a new, um, special. He's become sort of the Eddie Murphy of our generation, where I think he's just universally, uh, accepted by most people who like stand-up comedy as just the go-to, you know, and I, I think he's great. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll save my comments. Uh, <laughs> my number three uh, is uh, Jim Jeffries. Nice. Uh, saw him live with you. I love the show. Love the stand-ups. The gun control bit gets all the, the press and all the the glamour and the guts and the glory and all that, but um, if you can you know, make it through any of his other specials, I think you'll find a very different comedian. And uh, I, I like the, that comedian that I found, because yeah. when I went into it, all I knew was the, the gun control bit, and which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. But uh, you don't expect that when you turn it on and realize, oh, th- this guy is uh, not political. It's, it's, uh, it's, well, he is, but, like, he's not. <laughs> it's so good because, like, it's his most famous bit, 
But arguably the funnier bit, as opposed to the gun control bit, is the one from the following special where he follows up on the gun control bit and how he's famous for that joke. And, you know, he's like, ah, maybe everything I said wasn't correct. You know? Like, <laughs> and just follows up with, like, some of the facts that are were not true and things like that. It's, it's fucking great. The one in London even where he shows up at the birthday party and the guy makes him do the <laughs> do the gun control bit and it's like it's a 23 minute bit yeah apparently you can get it down to 16 when no one's laughing <laughs> my uh i think my favorite line like one of my absolute favorite lines of his too is uh, if you read my material it's a bad read because yeah. there's it? there's nothing that sums him up as a comedian better than that yeah um my number three is john mulaney i'm gonna save my comments uh for I feel like there's going to be a longer discussion at some point. Oh, there's only two names left, yeah. so I think I know. Uh, I think I know when it's coming too. So my number two is uh, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, Ch- Chappelle is comedy. I th- I think that everyone like. I think one thing that people don't think about, and maybe you do, because you give a shit about comedians and stuff yeah i think it's an art form i find a lot of no i can i can find most things funny but i I think a lot of people they can look at they can look at the history of like say pop music and say oh you know what Uh, pop music really sucked in the 70s and and rock music really sucks now and you know movies were better like i find that comedy went through a real downward trajectory you know you had your your Carlins and your Priors, and then Eddie Murphy came in for a little bit, and that was great. But then we didn't really have anything again until Dave Chappelle. I think Dave Chappelle, in a way, it's going to sound crazy, but I think he saved comedy, like especially the way we know it today with these specials. He, he I'll, I'll say he revived stand-up because uh, I think, I think when Mitch Hedberg passed, and um, just in the late two thousands, I, I think it kind of faded a little bit. And it's sort of it's sort of having I think a resurgence now uh, in the 2010s. I got to be honest with you, and, and not that I like I, I don't mean it like this, but kind of the Dane Cooks are sort of what fizzled out stand-up comedy because like if he was the definition of what was funny, you know, like he he really wasn't that funny, and he was larger than life for just telling stupid stories and. It just kind of changed the way people approach stand-up comedy, and it became less of an art form and more of just a, you know, dick and shit jokes more so. And, and and it's like, okay, those are funny. There's a reason why. There's a reason why everyone does them. But it's like, there needs to be more. And it, it took a little bit of a of a step back. And I don't know if I'll say Chappelle is the guy, but I think like Bill Burr and, and there, there's a group of them that I think have since resurrected stand-up. But I think Dave Chappelle's kind of the, like, in the past few years with those Netflix specials, really kicked it back into full force where I think it's something that um, there's a really large group of really good comedians now and it's it's definitely taken a, a step in the right direction again. Mm-hmm. It's It was just hard. Chappelle disappeared for so long too right like that that uh, that's what happened too is Chappelle went away and comedy more or less went with it for a little bit in terms of stand-up yeah like it's just where it was because Chappelle wasn't doing stand-up you know in the early 2000s either he was just doing fucking Chappelle show not that I'm 
complaining about that or anything like that. Fucking him and Neil Brennan just killed it. But I'm willing to agree with you for sure. I think it took a step back. And um, I can think of way more comedians now that are going at it now than in the late 2000s. You know what I mean? That I, looking back on it even, that I can really say are just incredible. No, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, my number two, speaking of legends of stand-up comedy, uh, is Chris Rock. Um, just the perfect combination of a joke writer versus f- physical comedy versus, like, he's just, he's good at everything. His delivery, his word choices, um, his segues, like, he, right down to the sound of his voice, I find every fucking thing about Chris Rock funny. Um, he doesn't even need to be funny to be funny. That's how funny I find the guy, but he actually is an incredible joke teller. And, um, I, I have all the time in the world for Chris Rock. I I love him. I think he's great. Yeah. A close cut for myself. Yeah. That's fair. He's another one too. Like with Uh, Chappelle kind of hadn't done a a standup special in years and then dropped tambourine last year. And it was like, holy fuck. Like incredible man like fucking absolutely incredible i'm out here because i need to pay the bills (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and and that's another thing too is i think stand-ups changed a little bit like the 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 idea of getting real i think is something that now you know people didn't want to hear your fucking sob stories you go on stage in the 90s and you're telling people about how you're like getting divorced or you know what i mean you went to rehab and no one fucking wants to hear that in the 90s you know what I mean? That's not at all what was going to fucking get you, you know, headlining gigs and shit like that. It was, it was the furthest thing from the truth. And now, every comedian has to kind of bring it to that point. Not everyone, but like a lot of them do bring it to that soft point, And I think it adds to the humanity of them as a person. I think it makes their jokes funnier when you understand that these people maybe, you know, are um, telling jokes. And I think when you bring it down and, and get a little real, I think that that helps things. And Chris Rock's a guy who did that in his last special. Um, you know, a lot of these guys talk about their personal lives and their struggles now. And I, I think that I think that that's good for comedy because it humanizes everything about the night, about the experience, about the stories. And um, he did a great job in Tamarina doing that, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, that brings me to my number one. Mm-hmm. A, a touchy number one, I'll say. Mm. <laughs> You're uh, mad at him, you might say. I was supposed to see this guy in January, and then that turned into I was supposed to see that guy in February, and that turned into um, I have tickets for his show in ten days <laughs> in Toronto. That technically has not been canceled. I'm not really sure what they're waiting for, but uh, I guess at the very least. If it gets cancelled again, I might still be able to see him. But somebody um, somebody asked me when the when all the sports leagues like paused their seasons and it was very apparent that it was not going to Winnipeg to see the Jets anymore. Someone asked me, they're like, Well, you could still go see Matthew Good, right? I can't imagine. <laughs> You're telling me that they're gonna pack a bunch of people in for a fucking concert when we can't do sports anymore? Like, no, it's not going to happen. They're canceling it. Of course they will. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, like, I, I feel like a lot of these places didn't even have to announce that things were canceled. It was just like, a fucking of course it is. 
get a get a grip. It's not gonna happen. No. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the holdup is, but uh, I'm I'm hoping at the very least that when he does cancel, uh, the date is far enough in the future that I feel safe enough to go to Toronto because uh, I sure would like to see John Mulaney. Um, it was supposed to be my birthday gift this past year. <laughs> uh, really hasn't worked out. I uh, um, yeah. I'll tell you this. I'll yeah. I'll be joining you when the show eventually happens. Um, but it's yeah. a matter of when. I, I can't wait for him to be like, oh, we're gonna do it in June." It's like, no, you're not. But you tried, yeah. and then you know that one will get you know delayed, and it'll be a full calendar year by the time he actually gets back to Toronto. So I like it. It's like a long running hilarious bit oh, that he's playing on all it, his fans. It, it's gonna yeah. like I I told this to you before everything happened with coronavirus that like even before the most recent time that this got cancelled that holy fuck is he ever going to have a good bit about things like continuously getting cancelled like think about how funny it's going to be in like February 2021 when he finally gets around to this routine about how you guys have been waiting a year and a half to see him it's going to be great no I I hope it is because it'll be uh uh, worth the wait, you might say. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but no, I I don't know. I I absolutely love his body of work. His his Netflix specials are hilarious. His writing on SNL, which predates the specials, is uh, probably the funniest SNL has been um, since the mid to late nineties, I would say. Uh, and it hasn't been the same since he left. So yeah, I uh, I'd probably agree with that. Like he left what nine years ago? I think so. Maybe not. Yeah, about that. Seven to ten, like somewhere in there, and I and I would say, I would say until that cast left, that that was the. I mean, like it's easy for me to say because that was the version of SNL I grew up with, was when he was, you know what I mean, on the writing staff there with Bill Hader and Will Forte, and you know, fucking, you can go down the list, but that was that's my favorite version of SNL. Is Fred, you know, Fred Armisen, Kristen Wiig. Uh, you know, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. It was incredible, and he was the driving force behind it, uh, despite being like a fucking 24-year-old alcoholic. <laughs> um, I, I most recently rewatched watched um, Kid, uh, Kid Gorgeous, uh, which is his most recent special, live from Radio City, and um, I have seen the special twice going into it. This was the third time I'd seen it. And but I haven't seen it in a while, and holy shit, his bit about church just killed me. Like I I was laughing at it harder than I did any of the first two times I'd heard it. I uh, I think his comedy is so just genuinely, it's combined like a modern style Jerry Seinfeld is what he is. He's full of very minute observations, but he mixes it with those. He mixes it with stories. And Jerry Seinfeld was never really about stories. It was like, have you heard about this? And he'd just fucking go on about, you know, the fucking neck pillows on airplanes for about six minutes. And what's the deal with this? And, you know, Mulaney's very much like that, but he's able to tie it into a story. He's a lot faster paced. Um, I'm not saying he's better than Jerry Seinfeld, but, like, he he Yeah, they, he they is... also had two of the greatest TV shows of all time. Who did? Millennium Seinfeld. Oh, 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 yeah, no, yeah, that that show Mulaney was great. Um, yeah, no, I I actually never watched it. It actually might have been funny for all I know. I I find you, you him, never watched it. 
I never saw his his series. Newman Town? It's not bad. No, the, the show was called Mulaney. Oh, he had another one then, before that. Oh. Yeah. Well, I've seen the stand-up special new in town enough to know that that's good. But, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's great. I think he's incredibly rewatchable. Um, he is, uh, I think, the best stand-up comedian on Earth right now. So. Yeah. There it is. That's my number one. Fair enough. Uh, my number one is Bill Burr. He's my favorite. I like the fact that uh, I don't know if anyone's really committed to the bit better than him in the history of stand-up com- comedy. He he is not nearly as big of a fucking asshole as he makes himself out to be, and he is just incredibly good at at at, at essentially being an angrier Larry David, just getting mad about the most like minute shit. Uh, I think it's hysterical. Um, the sound of his voice, every, just everything about him, I, I find him hilarious. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't need to say anything more than that. I, I think he's incredible. I, uh, I liked him uh, in his his TV appearances as well. I'll say that he he's very good uh, in in TVs and and movies and things like that. Uh, the Heat was on TV the other day. I forgot that he's in that. He's fucking hilarious in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Breaking Bad. He was in. Yeah, what was the one I was thinking of? There was something not too long ago. He he does a voice on BoJack Horseman. He finds a way to work his way into things that I like too, which is just like you know what I mean. I just genuinely, uh, I just genuinely like the guy. I think he's great. But yeah, he's he's in the Heat. Um, he's in Breaking Bad. He's in New Girl. For a couple episodes, he's in the Jim Gaffigan show. That's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. Makes many appearances on the Kroll show. He's got his own show, F is for Family. Um, he's he's just great, and and I do really like F is for Family too. For what it's worth, I think it's uh, one of the better animated shows of the last you know twenty years, probably. He was in uh, he was in Grand Theft Auto Four as well. Oh, look at that, some some video game acting. That sounds about right. Yeah, uh, I used to. I like too is. how he had an era of where his stand-up specials all like everyone obviously like has a stand-up special name and they try to make it cheeky to what their 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 bits are going to be about. And to me, like the fact that he had a run of three specials called "You People Are All the Same," I'm sorry you feel that way and walk your way out, which just perfectly sums up like his aggressive type of comedy it's just I don't know even the names of his specials crack me up yeah no I like I said uh, earlier he's uh, he's fine he's he's I think a little much for me at some points but I, I genuinely enjoy it's not for everyone I, I get yeah I, I get the humor it's just he's not for everyone I, but he's he's the comedian's yeah. comedian you know right yeah yeah okay cool yeah. um there it is what, what, what are you gonna do tonight what's the rest of your night looking like um, probably just Netflix and chips and beer. Nice. I uh, I already told you this, but uh, I ordered a uh, a case of nautical disaster from Lake of the Woods today because uh, they do contactless delivery, which is just fucking incredible. And uh, I'm probably gonna have a few of those tonight. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's been it uh, too long since I had a beer. Yeah, that's you gotta stay on that, man. You gotta take care of yourself. Well, when we went to yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I 
feel like I've lost some weight over the last couple of weeks, to be honest with you. It's probably a good thing, but the bad thing is I haven't had a beer. I did buy, uh, when we went to the liquor store back when, you know, we could still hang out. That was the last time I went, um, which was like, I guess, like two weeks ago now. Um, I bought mostly wine and just not thinking ahead. I bought like seven beers when we went and I'm like, yeah, that'll be good for like a month. Yeah, yeah, so those were gone. I think we went on the Tuesday. Those were gone by like the Thursday. So it's long overdue. Have you watched anything good over the week? No, not really. Yeah, it doesn't I sound like I've been watching much. I've been playing some some video games and uh, doing homework. So hmm. I'm sure our listeners too of the last episode were waiting to see hear how our uh, Trivial Pursuit uh, game went, which we have not played yet because James is still somehow in school. So, yeah, yeah, you, you, you've not been living your finest, uh, isolation life that yet. That's for sure. No, it's coming. And, and, and not only is the end of school coming, so is the, the nice patio weather. I'm down. Very down. Yeah. Okay. Bonfires and patios. Okay. Well, uh, I wish you well in your pursuit of, um, school. Thanks, man. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> Do I have anything to plug? No. Yeah, me neither. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'll write something for the North Side. I, I can only do so many nostalgic pieces in a month, and that's really all we're down to now. Like I, I, I have no real desire to write about my desired uh, playoff formats because I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to say what I think the NHL should do. When I don't know what month we're talking about yet. Like, if for some reason this just evaporates overnight and we're back to normal in a month, it's a lot easier to fucking pick a playoff format than it would be when we're realistically looking at June, July, August, you know. And for me, it's 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 going to be hard if they're that dedicated to an 82-game season to sneak in a playoff if it's any later than June 1st, you know. It's just... The logistics become so complicated, and I like that people are coming up with these creative ideas, but at the end of the day, like, I don't even have any re- any desire to think about it yet. It's just, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> talk, talk to me when uh, I'm able to literally have, like, people over in my backyard drinking, and then I'll worry about the playoffs. No, that's very fair. It's, 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 you're right. Like, I, I like that. You know, you got to do something to keep your mind off of it. So you you play with these ideas, sure. and hey, what if they did this? What if they did that? And uh, there's some really neat ideas, and I, I think I we have to accept that regardless of what happens this year, there's going to be a couple asterisks next to the oh, for sure. you know winner's name. So go crazy, just get I agree absolutely ridiculous. You know, like there's no need to say to the status quo as far as uh, finishing the season off if there's a season to finish off, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it to a lot of people, if you're a Stanley Cup champion from this year, it's probably not going to mean as much, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's going to mean a lot to see your favorite team win the Stanley Cup, and it's going to mean a lot to every single guy in that organization that wins it. So at the end of the day, what's the harm in doing it? You know, if there's time to do it, then do it. Um, but if they're that committed to an 82-game season, I just I don't see how one gets done, to be honest with you, at this stage. Mm-hmm. I think I think yeah. we'd honestly have to already be talking about getting back into action. 
for this to really end up happening, you know. I did love the the player's proposal that they came up with, which immediately the first option was to fucking not not have an all-star game last year, next year. <laughs> it's like the oh, first thing, it's no like, way. okay, well, if we, if we push the season back a week, well, how are we going to do that? Well, no all-star game. Oh, okay. That was the first fucking thing. It's like, how can we have this season go and still get rid of the all-star game? Like, what's the best way we can do this? Well, fucking play the playoffs this summer. Okay. Sure. Mm. I'll play the playoffs if it means I don't have to go to fucking... Where, where was it next year? Ottawa or something? <laughs> oh. Wow. I don't I don't remember oh, where. <laughs> I don't, uh, I'll look it up right now. But yeah, no, it's 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 just... I laughed so hard when that was the first thing. It's like, well, what do they do? Well, it's like, well, first off, they're going to get rid of the All-Star game next year. It's like, okay. Yeah, fair, fair fucking enough, you know? Uh, the All-Star game next year actually would have been in Sunrise, Florida... Which is an interesting one, because it's like, aside from from you know the fact that they would have had to Uber back and forth to from to Miami every night, <laughs> it would have it would have been good. You know, they're not fucking partying in Sunrise. What are they gonna do? Fucking get into the swamp water, fold out a lawn chair and drink uh, I, in the swamp water. I realize that this has uh, next to nothing to do with Florida um, as a host, but. Has anyone ever questioned why the NHL doesn't just have its all-star game uh, outdoors? <laughs> I don't know. Kind of placate two things at exactly, once. Exactly, best of both worlds. I, I don't really know. Um, if they're going to have an all-star game and they want to include all these fans, but they do it, you know what I mean, in front of 18,000 people, they're definitely limiting themselves. I mean, like in reality, too, they like they could do it in a fucking neutral site. Like There's a lot of things they could do, man. We're talking about the NHL. Yeah, no. better stop before something crazy happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, yeah, we'll we'll do something for you this week. Probably watch Mystery Alaska. Uh, if you are looking to join in on our bonus episode and uh, listen to the bon- uh, to to the Mystery Alaska commentary, it's probably going to make very little sense if you are not playing the movie uh, as we are watching it. Um, to which I would say you you might have to go out and rent Mystery Alaska. Well, not go out, but you might have to rent Mystery Alaska. There are plenty of ways to do that online. Um, and if you don't want to do it, then I respect that. I might I might not do it either if I were you. So that's fair. Yep. That thus guaranteeing we have like eight people who listen to the episode now that I said all that. All eight people that own Mystery Alaska, Mystery Alaska uh, on Blu-ray. Mystery Alaska ranked number 98 on the Athletics Top 100 uh, Sports Movies to Watch in Quarantine. <laughs> what a fucking ringing ad- endorsement. There's somehow four... So come, on, come listen to us talk about the 98th best sports film. There's somehow three or four movies about a fucking peewee hockey team called the Mighty Ducks starring Charlie Sheen's brother that probably all ranked ahead fucking Mystery Alaska that stars uh, one of the best actors in the history of cinema in Burt Reynolds and another great actor in Russell Crowe. Somehow this movie is worse than the Mighty Ducks, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I'm happy to announce that only one Mighty Duck film made the uh, the list. but uh, it's, it, it was ranked it, high. It's one of those things I think Mystery Alaska gets like bad uh, gets a bad rap because it's like supposed to be good whereas like i don't think the mighty ducks movies were supposed to be good you know mystery mystery alaska thought it was going to be like a legitimate movie and it just you know 
if if it had been made after Miracle and they knew how to like shoot hockey scenes, then yeah, it might have been a better movie because it would have cut out some of the bullshit and there'd be more actual hockey being played. Um, but say lovey. There you go. Okay. Well. Okay. Um. Yeah. Have a good night, man. Yeah. Goodbye, g- goodbye, see you next week. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're gonna make friends in no time. Get me out of here!